You are listening to the Podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 158, the week of October 26, 2014. Welcome back, everyone, to the longest-running podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's The Song of Ice and Fire series and occasionally HBO's Game of Thrones. As usual, this is Amin, and we'll be joined shortly later by Mimi, but I'm glad to welcome back recurring guest hosts and founders of Westeros.org, Elio and Linda. Welcome back to the Halls of House Manwoody. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, and, and for some of you wondering occasionally if you hear a, a little snoring in the background, that is our, our puppy Breeze, who is happily at the moment sleeping away. So, uh, yeah, not a breathing issue on, on the other parts. <laughs> Well, we have, it's been a while since you've been here, so we have uh, like a selection of wines. We have Arbor Gold, we have Dornish stuff. I don't remember what you guys prefer, so we have quite a selection for you. Dorn, uh, Dornish summer wine sounds good, so long as there's no poison in it. Yeah, we'll do the non well, You wait till I t- taste whatever I taste first, then you can have yeah, it. That works. <laughs> unless, unless, unless you you made yourself immune, you know, by slow samplings <laughs> of the poison, you know, kind of like. Uh, yeah, like the well, good Captain Roberts. Well, he's not Sicilian, right? Well, the Sicilian is the fellow who didn't do that. Yeah, the, the Iocane powder. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we have no reason to to be enemies, provided <laughs> it, uh, lately. Speaking yeah. of which, this episode we'll be talking about the world of ice and fire, and what we'll be doing is we'll have some questions from our listeners and from us, and then we'll jump into the book and talk about it. Like we're recording right now earlier, but it'll be released October 28th to match the release. So just starting off here, like what exactly is the world of ice and fire and how did you get involved in in it? Well, the world of ice and fire is a a guide to the the world of a setting in in which the song of ice and fire takes place uh, written as a a in-universe text. It is, it is a work by a maester of a citadel popular history. A, a, a popular history. Uh, an attempt at a popular history, one that's aimed at, you know, for the, you know, he's, you know, there's a whole little backstory about presenting it to the king, trying to get his patronage, uh, and with this notion that maybe, maybe copies of it will be made available to, to you know, non-nobles, to, to lettered merchants who might be able to educate their children. Um, as to how we got started with it, it you know, in 2004, and it's a long time ago, uh, I was visiting my family in the United States, and we were doing a cross-country trip through the southwest and, and you know, the south from um, Nevada to, to Florida. And or maybe it was the other way around. It was I don't the other way around, right? They were moving to Las Vegas, weren't they? Or you were, they were moving. My, to, helping yeah. my sister move to Las Vegas. To, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so it was the other way around. But when we were in in New Mexico, I I realized, hey, wait a second, we're not that far from Santa Fe. Maybe we can change our plans and and stay at a different motel. And and I'll so basically, I got hold of Linda and you know, look, male Paris, that's uh, George's partner and now his wife, as everyone knows, and. See if maybe I, I I could drop by and say hello or, or something and you know got George's number and we arranged to, to meet and at his house and um and, and have dinner and um, I've written a report on that as way back in the SSM but uh, during the dinner George brought up um, actually in my report I didn't mention that then of course because it was all top secret but he mentioned that publishers were interested in some sort of world book setting book yeah, concordance is how you know after our text is how george called it um and wondered you know he said you know he's working on these other things and you know he he would need his uh, help and you know he didn't know anyone who knew westeros as well as he did uh, as lynn and i so he asked you know would we be interested and i i said yeah i'm pretty sure we would be <laughs> um 
But uh, he said, obviously, keep it quiet. It's, it's no deals are done yet. It's just publishers are sniffing around. And, and it wasn't until, like, late 2005 or early 2006. It must have been somewhere around there. With George Mayo and say, hey, guys, you know, there's uh, there's some, been some movement on this now. Uh, publishers are bidding and, and, and Random House has uh, gotten uh, the rights to do this. So um, it looks like we're going to be signing contracts. And, and so we went over to um, the Worldcon in Anaheim in 2006. And that's where we met uh, Anne Grohl, George's editor, our editor now as well for, for this book. Um, and we got the contracts to sign uh, and, and did our, our really initial discussion of what we wanted the book to be. And we had done a little bit of planning at home, discussing sort of different proposals that we could uh, bring forward. And uh, I think I may have been the one who first brought up the in-setting. I, I rather yeah. like that conceit in uh, the uh, the world of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, that there which is a bit of a travel guide, I think. You also had the Codex Gerinianus that already existed at the time, yeah, right? That's true, but that's very much more of a... Well, it's, it's also it, supposed to be a period. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's also a setting, in-setting uh, text. So, And I also thought that would be a good way of dealing with the fact that, obviously, George was saying that, you know, I, I can't reveal everything. I still have books to write, and there are things that should be revealed in the books. So we're going to have to be a little vague on some points. And then we figured, well, a maester could have limited knowledge on some things and, you know, skip over others depending on what he was interested in. So it would give us a little bit of leeway in how we structured things. Um, Though the first plan still included actually having um, a section that was basically a character guide that eventually ended up being in the, the app instead. So that was a development that came out of the fact that um, it was starting to take too much place. And if we cut it down, it wasn't really a complete character guide any longer. And then when apps came around, well, we might as well move it. So we'd actually done all that work that ended up in the app, or most of it, you know, way back in 2006 was when we compiled a lot of that. And then it ended up being used much later. So the maester that has put this together is Maester Yandel? Yandel, yes. Yeah. Maester Yandel. Was it, yeah, we, we wrote the little, um, his introduction to, to sort of his, de- the dedication and the introduction to the text to kind of fit the story that we had come up with with, with George about how our maester set out. Like, like the, the real original idea, as I recall, like when we first broached it was, he was a a a pupil of a archmaster who passed away, who had created this huge um, work of of sort oh, of a, a encyclopedia book. Westeros. Sort of. Yeah, the the book of all knowledge or something, yeah. and multiple volumes. He was busy <laughs> supposed to have all sorts of information, and and our guy was gonna. He didn't feel like he could finish it, but he thought, well, I could do the the Reader's Digest version of it for people yeah. to kind of to share some of the wisdom that the, this maester had put together. But that that ended up changing over time because obviously. Like we had a, like originally we had ideas like let let's have a section about magic and let's have a section about the seasons and maybe we could have like a a map of the constellations uh, as as you know a star map very masterly very things. masterly yeah. stuff but as we started dropping that and really just focused on on the history uh, and so on we just thought well let's change the story and the story ended up developing very conveniently but instead what we were having was. Our maester was just working on sort from you know his knowledge that he had learned and from the sources he had learned them from to present a, a, a sort of again a reader's digest sort of compressed popular history. But he had also found a a lost work 
by a well, I mean, that comes in specifically. I mean, originally we compiled an outline from yeah. the concordance and we filled in where we had data. Yeah. And then we saw, okay, these sections are going to need notes from George. And as everyone knows, those notes were a long time in coming because George was busy with the books. Yeah. And when they finally came in, as we have, I think, reported in a couple of instances now, they were not notes. They were massive texts. <laughs> and there were many, many of them. And we then decided, well, we are, we're not, we can't put his texts in as they are because you're going to have... Uh, I mean, I think he wrote some 200,000 words and where, you know, the original contract said 50,000. Well, that was sort of a loose figure. We could probably go up to 80, they said. 80, 90,000, yeah. And obviously, in the first case, we had hit that with a character guide and then that got cut. And then even with the stuff we were compiling, we were hitting very high numbers. And then George submits all this text for the Targaryen kings, which would skew the book very heavily towards that. So we had to basically say, okay, we have to treat the new material that George sent us like, and it's just like the Song of Ice and Fire books. This is a book, it's just, a, it's just an in-setting book. So then we invented that book, or, you know, George's maester, Gildane, had written this um, tell-all Targaryen. Tell Targaryen history that went up to a certain point, and that nobody had seen before that Yandel had gotten a hold of and was including key details from. So we basically mined George's texts for details, and they wouldn't just go in under Targaryen kings. We we broke it up a bit so that if there were a lot of Westerlands information in a section on, the, on a particular king, that would end up in the Westerland or the Lannister section, so we could you know flush out other sections with new details as well and spread it out. So in that sense, we got one of the sources... Um, that we, the book alludes to a lot of different in-setting books and sources, but the the only one that is a more or less complete text is this work by uh, Maester Gildane. Hmm. And, and I, feel, I can see the, the inspiration of, I mean, like the book is about all different areas of Westeros, but I feel like in particular the Targaryen kings, I came out of reading this with a lot better understanding of who is who was doing what and what how the realm, their reigns lined up. Before I yeah. read this, it was a little bit confusing for me from just the books themselves. Sure. I mean, and, and that was one of the things that when we realized that, you know, in a certain sense, I think George had all these ideas in his head. He um, thought he'd put more into the books than he had. I think. Yes. I think <laughs> part of the reason that people talked about so much about the figure in history in the books is because there's always tantalizing hints and things about about details about, you know, uh, Jaehaerys a conciliator and the the faith militant, or you know, the dance of the dragons and 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 such like. But George hadn't actually gotten all that down to paper. Um, and once he finally, so so we had the problem of having like a lot of information about like Daeron the Good, and having like no information at all about you know his son Aerys, for example, uh, Aerys the first, we had no, we had very little information to go on outside of, um, I mean, obviously when we started, I mean, they didn't even have, was the second Duncan that was out or I don't, I don't remember. That one, that one was out, but the the third one, the the, the latest one that wasn't out. So, so that's where George kind of said, okay, I'll, I'll, all these ideas I have in my head, I'll, I'll actually put them down on the paper as these short sidebars, and they turn out to be these massive sidebars. Yeah. So and, we and, would have been in a situation where we had like a paragraph about a king and then 10 pages of sidebar. Yeah, it wouldn't make <laughs> sense. So so we did that. And, and the other thing was, is like, and, and in the course of writing, 
George's ideas evolved from what he had sort of in his notes or what he had notes. They grew. They, well, they grew, but they changed. Like, for example, I can I can give one really good example is um, in the material related to the Dance of the Dragons and, and in the material published as, as The Princess and the Queen. Now, for those who, who haven't followed, um, The Princess and the Queen and the Rogue Prince are actually edited versions of what George wrote for the book. The book can't contain everything that George had. It couldn't even contain like a tenth of it. So what we did is we paraphrased and restated things in a much more condensed way. So the way I kind of explain to people, like for the Dance of Dragons material, our book covers the whole of the Dance of Dragons, but in, in, in very compressed detail. So we have details in there, but are not published anywhere else. The Princess and the Queen took the 70,000 words of the Dance of Dragons, chucked half of it and sort of compressed it down further into a narrative that is more that is richer in sort of incidental detail, but it covers less sort of concrete detail. Um, so in in the Death of Dragons, you have uh, George years ago told us that uh, I mean I mean we we've had things like Targaryen family trees from George for like over a decade. Like George shared them with us, and we've just we've just sat on them because you know he shared them with us and, and told us not to tell anybody, but. They may have snuck in partially onto our game, but that's... yeah, but that, 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 he that was fine. But <laughs> we didn't tell anyone. No, but um, and in that he had that um, Rhaenyra, um, Prince the Queen, who who one of the belligerents in the war, uh, married Lord Strong, hmm. and that her sons by him, you know, were fought in this war and so on. Well, that changed. Um, if you've read the Prince and the Queen, or or if you've uh, read the Rogue Prince. Uh, she doesn't marry strong. She marries uh, a Valorian instead, and, and later a Targaryen. And the strong fits in as a, a lover of hers, uh, and so that raises the whole question about whether her children are by her husband or by by her lover. Um, so that that's something where George was literally it, it, he came into it with one notion, and as he started writing, something appealed to him more, and it developed into in a different direction. I think um, in a more interesting and sort of. Uh, Kind of obviously, rich. it got more complex and richer as he worked in yeah. more characters and saw potential for more conflicts and more ways to kill people and more reasons for people to stab each other's eyes out and yeah. things like that. You've kind of answered this on our forums already, but just for the general audience, is this this book basically considered canon material? Yes, it it is a it is a it is a actual sort of well, most of it the the text is. For the most part, a in-universe text. The only bit that I would say might not count as as in-universe in a sense might be um, what was I going to say? The family trees. Well, the family trees in a sense. The family trees include details that are are like right bleeding edge of the moment. Yeah. Where where mm. when they can see it as our maester kind of finished this work around the time of Game of Thrones, The Clash of Kings, and, and while there's a little insert there the we it didn't it doesn't seem right to me that he his family tree would be something he would get keep that up to date so so the family tree i don't quite consider in text but the actual the body of it the body of the text is is i would is in universe and in terms of what we consider canon is george has said before if it doesn't have my name on it if i didn't write it you know it's not canon but he wrote this as much as we did and he saw everything he tweaked things, he removed things that he didn't like, or ideas we had to try and fill in gaps. Um, some of the things he wrote were prompted by questions we had, like say, hey, look, we need kind of this detail, and he would invent it. Um, 
there are areas you made suggestions as suggestions well, to how to resolve things and say yeah i like that it, one so. or um there's there's areas where when we were writing the text i would try and write like short speculative paragraphs filling in things that i felt had to be filled in but we didn't quite feel like george necessarily needed to to write it himself like we would and i would mark it out i would say like everything i but i speculated on i said i would note you know in a note speculative run by george and many times you know very speculative stuff i would actually mark out in red text so it would be like really clear when george saw it um and george would then you know as i said he, he would drop things uh, that he didn't like he would go a completely different direction and provide something else. Or, you know, it, it was always a pleasure when I, I got back his draft and I saw, oh, wow, he must have liked that one because he kept it. He even expanded on it, uh, which was really cool. But that's part of the collaborative process. And, and you know. So even a, if it didn't, some there are things in there that didn't originate in George's brain, but, but they have he his went stamp over of them. Approval. And, yeah, they have his stamp of approval. Uh, and I would compare this to, for example, if you look at the dedication to... to Game of Thrones. I mean, um, in a Game of Thrones, George mentions, and uh, you know, but uh, Linda Snodgrass or maybe it was Phyllis Eisenstein is the one who told him to put in dragons. I mean, are we going mm. to consider dragons non-canonical <laughs> because they weren't really his original <laughs> idea, right? No, it's so this text is canon. It's it, it's a but as an in-universe text, it is it's written by a fallible person. It's written by a maester who only has a knowledge that he has learned and accrued and sort of in, filtered through his own. Um, perspective, and as we see in the Feast of Crows, uh, the Maesters of the Citadel maybe are dubious about some things that other people maybe they shouldn't be because the, uh, you know, but they don't fit with, with their their view, the world view that, of so, that they so have. So if you take things like dates on how long ago certain things happen, in particular when you go into the far past, this text is no more reliable than the books themselves on that yeah. point. This is the maester's knowledge. It is not George coming out and saying definitively, this happened 4,000 years ago or this happened 8,000 years ago. We're not getting beyond any surer knowledge than what we're getting in the books on, on that point, on, on such points. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a, a two-pronged thing. I mean, in one sense, you can see you can see he was writing it for Robert at the end because he's praising Robert a lot in there. So you you are aware of that sure. bias. Yes, and, and even absolutely. if he's even if he's not biased, he may have, may have made a mistake, or his sources may have made a mistake, and that leaves the door open to, for George to do something later different if he wanted. Absolutely, to. Yeah. I, I think um, like for example, like if George were to go back and write a a, a, a new story set during the Dance of Dragons, I would expect he would probably use this material that he created for it fairly closely because but if you've read the princess and the queen i mean you there are references to the fact that our maester is drawing from multiple sources i mean even gildane is drawing from multiple he wasn't he didn't live at the time of the dance of dragons he comes after so he himself is drawing from multiple sources and he's pointing out how sometimes these sources conflict well if george actually wanted to write the definitive story of some event from the perspective of a character who actually lived it, he would probably decide, well, I decided this guy's got it right and, and these others are wrong or, or maybe it's a mix of, of them. Now, if he wanted to write something like, for example, he wrote a really surprisingly detailed, I thought, uh, account of the conquest of the veil by Vandals in this book. And um, if he decided, you know what, I, I want to write a story uh, from the, the view of, you know, Sir Arctus Arryn during this, this early period. Um, but you know what? I don't, I've decided I don't really like much of what 
what I wrote for for this history, I was like, well, you know, it's history from thousands of years ago. They just got it wrong. The stories developed, and I'm going to show the real history. And I don't, I don't think he would feel constrained about like ancient stuff like that. But um, but that's simply because he can take the conceit of this is history, and this is sort of a, a medieval history of the far past, and they they're going to have errors. And I can sort of the further away they are from the contemporary period, the likelier they are to make mistakes. So he he, I would think he would feel quite free to write whatever he wanted uh although i would expect he would sort of try to explain some of the little details that, that exist in the world in that history as being misunderstandings or or based on this that or the other but but you know wildly different in many ways i just want to describe the book a little bit uh, itself like uh, having received it now is one thing i did not expect and I'm, i was very surprised is, is basically I, i've come up with a rule now it's called the second page flip by, by the second page flip there's some sort of art whether it's a full page art or it's like a smaller piece, there's so much art in this book, and I did not expect. You think it's just a encyclopedia with text, but this book has a lot of art, and it seems like a Wait. lot of it was commissioned for this. this yeah, work. no, that that was the the thing that George was most adamant about all the time. He wanted a gorgeous book full of art, and I think it's interesting that so much of the communication that we had about the book was George asking, so how's the art coming along? Are we getting an art for, art for the, we have to get this scene illustrated and uh, yeah. who are we getting for this scene? We need some really great person to do this scene. And he, he was very, very eager to have, um, to showcase a lot of good artists, a lot of new artists uh, and, um, uh, Certain things he had, you know, particularly strong opinions about how they should look. Others, less he had less strong Im- image in his head about quite clearly. But yeah, the art was always very, very important to him. Um, George George was inspired in a lot of ways by, and he kept using as a touchstone of of what to do is uh, DK Publishing's. I think it's the Ultimate Guide to Conan the Barbarian or something. Which is a big coffee table book full of illustrations of Conan from all the you know all the different artists who've depicted Conan over the years, uh, and that's that was really the hallmark for him of what he he wanted this book to be. Uh, and I have to admit, at the same time, he said that there was a book we should look at for what not to do in terms of art, and that was was the the world of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, which everyone knows there were some issues with with the artists not getting paid enough to do the work that. Uh, they had shown Jordan that they could do. Yeah, because basically yeah. what Jordan said is Tor basically got very cheap with the artist and the artist basically gave them the amount of work but the pay merited. And so, you know, I think Jordan even said like if he had known that this was an issue, he would have out of pocket paid the guy more money to get, get more and better work. But um, so, yeah, it, the big thing was getting a lot of artists. Uh, George had a, a lot of artists he, he named, but he wanted to be involved. Uh, you've got, you know, you got the old standby. Various people have been doing art in, in the setting for ages. You've got, you know, Michael Comark has several new pieces. Uh, Mark Simonetti has several new pieces. Uh, Ted Naismith has a couple new pieces, as well as all the other castles. Um, and then a bunch of just new, amazing artists. Um Magali Villeneuve has already done some stuff, I think, for the Fantasy Flight prior to this, but uh, she's one who's done a lot of things for it. Um, Jose Cabrera, who is this, who's done, I think, three or maybe four paintings, four paintings, and we wanted him to do more, but he ended up breaking his hand or his wrist or something, uh, unfortunately. Um, he, he He's a Spanish artist who's just, I, I'm shocked that he hasn't been 
doing more because he mostly does military magazines. And if you look at the military history magazines, they always have these fantastic artists. And uh, his work is just stunning. Well, such attention to detail when it comes to armor and clothing and great uh, figures. Uh, Philip Straub um, did some great pieces. Chase Stone has done some really great pieces as well. So we have a lot of really uh, cool. Oh, and Justin Sweet, of course, does has done really great work as well. So there are a lot of great artists, and I think in total, uh, we were told that there was over 170 pieces of art. Most of it original. There is a few stuff that's been reused from um, Fantasy Flight game uh, catalog of of art, and also. Um, Tetanismus castles. I mean, originally the castles uh, that he did of the, of the Seven Kingdoms for that were commissioned for the book years ago, and then because of various delays in the book and because of issues with the the plans for the calendar they had, and I think it was 2011, um, like they, they got an artist, but that artist couldn't deliver in 2011. So and they said, well, hey, why don't we use Ted's work since the World Book isn't coming out anytime soon? So that's been published in 2011, but it's not being published again in in this book. Uh, Michael Galatly, I should mention as well. He's the guy who did the brand new maps, uh, which I hope people will appreciate. We really wanted something that looked like it belonged in the setting. So he did this gorgeous kind of watercolor of all these little symbols and, and, and little designs in the corners and so on that we, we really liked. It really, I mean, it, it really fleshes out the work. I mean, to read it is one thing, but then to have like the on the side the image of what's going on, it really yeah makes it enjoyable. Not just to read it, but just if you have like it's one of those books. If you have like, your friend over and he's into the work, or she's into the work, you can kind of just flip through it and see the the artwork. Exactly. Nice. I, I mean, that's uh, George. So many of the pictures yeah. are you know so rich in detail, and you can pour over them and find little. Yeah. It's you can see the, tar- the Targaryens like their women beautiful. You can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful women are uh, the thing. Uh, George George had very particular, in particular his um, the portraits of that Megali Villeneuve did of um, Aegon the Unworthy's mistresses. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Very particular. George was extremely particular about how each one of them yeah. should look. I mean, Megali did a, t- a take on it, and, and you know, various of the details didn't fit what he had in mind, and so he he kind of. So she did uh, redid a few pieces and yeah. uh, a few of the figures to to fit what he wanted, and he had um, he has very strong ideas about their personalities as well. It, 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 I mean, he has talked. I mean, years ago, he you know it was in Glasgow um, at the Glasgow World Con in two thousand and five, where um, I, we were at breakfast with George and I. We were talking a little bit about something. I. Somehow the topic turned to Aegon the Unworthy, and George kind of laughed. And you know, the worst king in the history of Westeros, and or, or the Targaryen dynasty, or whatever. And um, he was just rotten. And he has said he kind of—I don't know if you've read uh, George Donald Fraser's uh, Flashman books, but he kind of compares. He has this notion occasionally of of doing an Aegon the Unworthy sort of novel written in the style of the Flashman. Uh, narratives. Flashman is a character who is, is a horrible, horrible person, but he's very honest about it. And um, so the idea would be, I guess, a, a story told from the perspective of Agony and Worthy, where you would see this horrible person just doing all these horrible things and yet getting ahead um, and, and, and getting all these beautiful women. So, uh, so I guess George, I mean, possibly the reason he has such a strong opinions on how his characters should look is because he still harbors this notion, but he'll he'll you know he may have notes and plans already for after he's done with Sun and Fire, like he'd like to do this Aegon the Unworthy thing. So um, that was really interesting, anyways. It said to see the other thing that he had a very strong opinion on, and I'm sure you saw it is is the depiction of uh, Valyria mm. by Ted Naismith. Yeah, oh, it was that... interesting because we got. Uh, uh, I guess we found out that they had they had commissioned more pieces from Ted, including Valeria, and he contacted us. 
Yeah. As he did with when we did the original castles and we compiled we had compiled information about what what existed in the books and then George has fleshed it out as well. In particular Winterfell he gave him a lot of additional notes on, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And with Valyria it was like, well, you got the topless towers. Oh, that's about it. And, and then we can kind of like Dragonstone, the black sculpted stone, yeah. and 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 the so, idea. So that... we tried to guess at something. We figured that you thought, well, maybe he had been inspired by because there's obviously some bits and pieces about the Targaryens and the Valyrians that put you in mind of the you know Moorcocks, uh, Melnibune, and uh, the Elric's um, home. Town and the whole thing there. Among the Bunny is the. Yes, right. And um, so we, we tried to speculate along the We speculated, and, and I think George said it is, is good for. I can't remember. He's like good for what it is, but it looks very elvish, is what he kind of came up with. And, and so he kind of gave Ted and us uh, a lot very interesting details, and, and, and it led to what you see now. I mean, things like. Things like we never knew, like you know, canals of lava flowing through the streets. Um, what and, is this and, the page uh, sixteen drawing you're talking about? Let's see. Is that sixteen? I Sorry. I don't actually remember which page it is. Uh, where's our copy? It disappeared. It's under the dog stuff. Yeah, hold on a second. <laughs> it, it could be sixteen since that's where we discuss. We'll need your copy anyways shortly as we'll be going. Yeah, yeah, sixteen. There it is. Yeah. Um and and um. You know, George mentioned you know, the dragon lords lived in, in these huge towers far above the heat of the, the lava and saying, you know, some dragon lords never set foot on the ground of Valyria. They would fly from tower to tower on the backs of the dragons and they'd have entrances, you know, way up in these towers so that, you know, they would never have to sully themselves down in the, the burning hot where the slaves were. Um, and it was just it was just really amazing to see what uh, Ted did with with these details. I think in general, I think Valeria sort of gives the first hint of the fact that when George went to flesh out and to show us his what he imagined for Essos and even further away, it gets very fantastical. Yeah, you know, Westeros is not that far off from uh, medieval Europe and just. A lot of things are much larger, but when you go to Essos and the further east you go, the, 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 east you go, the more you're faster. entering into, you know, there's Jack Van's inspiration and all, all the, it's very fantastical and it was quite fascinating to see the things he came up with that. Okay, well, I, th- I think we can take a look at the forums and see if there's a couple of questions there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, then take a quick break. I'll see if Mimi's around, and then if not, we'll continue and just yeah. go to the tabs I tabbed in the book. So let's see here uh, from the forums. There, yeah. There's a question about Ellie you, or, or Linda. I'm not sure which of you, you tweeted a year ago. You said there was a theory that was confirmed in the book. And what is that? Can we talk about well, that? A theory? Oh, yeah, sure. I could, I could uh, yes, since it's, well, yeah, I can. I can, sure, sure. I think I tweeted one about a theory being questioned and once about a, tw- a theory being, a long-held theory being confirmed. I know the one that was crushed was Ned's mom, I think. Uh, or at least the one, the, the people... No, or, no, it's not the one I meant, actually, but... Or, uh, well, tell us then. Oh, do you want to discuss that? Um, well, uh, to me, the, the one... I, I never liked the people who had the theory that Jamie and Cersei could be Aerys's kids. Hmm. And I think it's quite clear, but that's not possible because oh, that's true, yeah. Joanna wasn't anywhere around Aerys in, in yeah. the appropriate time. So that's the theory, but Un- I... Unfortunately, it doesn't crush the uh, no, theory. The, the, that... well, the other big theory, of course, of Aerys and Joanna still is alive and kicking in the sense that it is not confirmed or denied. So, yeah. we'll, Which is the, you know, Tyrion is Aerys' son. Yeah. Plan. 
personally, I will say this, I'm not a fan of the idea. And if that's what George is doing, I mean, it's his story, but I, I'm not a fan of it. But um, this, this certainly adds fuel to the fire, but it doesn't either confirm or, or, or deny it. Uh, as to the theory, but uh, the long-held theory, I, I clarify for people who ask. I mean, it's more like a detail, a part of a theory. Uh, and this is in, of course, the, the Year of the Full Spring section at the very end. Uh, have you read that, or did you get a chance? I don't think so, it? but we can. I can jump to it. Whereabouts is this? Oh, uh, see, look at the table of contents. It's you can. Yeah, only to refamiliarize yourself with how it <laughs> actually came out in print. We we read it mostly in you know bits and pieces again and again. So the page one twenty four. One twenty four. Okay, is where it starts. But we can even quote a little. Uh, and I'll just quote the specific line at, right at the end of, of it. Um, you know, say not ten leagues from Harrenhal, Rhaegar fell upon Lyanna Stark of Winterfell. Well, for a very, 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 very long time, I think from, you know, 99, 2000, right after Storm of Swords, basically, that's when we first knew really anything about, um, more about Harrenhal and what happened there. Mm. It had been my theory that Lyanna and Rhaegar met, you know, that she was abducted or they eloped or whatever the story is at or or, or in the vicinity of Harrenhal. But I, I, my speculation has been that she kind of stayed on as a guest of the Wents um, while waiting for her brother to come to kind of do his whole marriage train trip. He was going back to the north and then he was coming back to the Vale and then he was going to be going through the Vale to the Riverlands. So she stayed basically put at Harrenhal. Uh, and that was my theory. And there wasn't really any support other than I felt like the timelines worked really well. Mm-hmm. And this that little detail, like, George just kind of confirmed it. Yeah, she, she was at Hall. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and that's the bit that I... You know, I mean, it's something I've, you know, argued about for ages, basically, with people. And, um, so nice not to have to argue about it any longer. Yeah, nice not to have to argue about it any longer. I mean, I had people dis- dismissing it, like, oh, well, I would the daughter of, you know, Lord Stark simply be a guest of, like, some minor... I mean, not like the winds are minor lords or some yeah. of those powerful lords... But there's people often have this very rarefied view, like great houses only mingle with other great houses. Like a Stark will only ever be in the household of another great house, and that's not really how it works. I mean, you you want ties to all sorts of houses, and the strong houses are are just because there's only so many great houses doesn't mean that you know the the next tier of houses should be ignored. So um, so that that's the theory that I I, I was referring to. Hmm. Uh, or as a detail, and as I said, it's like a logistical detail. It's not any real major thing but again it, when it's something you've sort of argued about and thought about for a long time it's kind of cool to see it come to pass so the one that you, you're talking about uh, uh jamie and and cersei uh not being possible i didn't never really believe that one either but like is, so he was not around uh, at the time uh, joanna wasn't i believe joanna wasn't around as, as specifically i think she was uh, clearly um she was not at court at the time yeah i, I don't I, I, I wonder if necessarily it is a hundred percent clear from the text. We well, okay, actually, yeah. Let, give me a one moment to look this up because yeah. there is the possibility that the detail that we referred to didn't actually make it, <laughs> didn't in, make it in the book. <laughs> in which case, we have to drop all this stuff because it's yeah, we can cut that if it. If let, let, give me a second to do a quick flip through it. Just note the time on this. Then this is thirty uh, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, I mean, they get married in in in. Isn't he there, though, at the marriage? Didn't he, like, according to the book, anyways? He presided over the wedding and bedding, but um, 
the children were born until um, several years after the fact, I believe. Yeah, it wasn't nine months after they, the wedding. They got married. Um, Got married in 263, and the children were born until 266, so basically 265 or so. So basically, I mean, people thought, oh, because we, oh, because of um, the, wedding the, liberties, night the liberties he was supposed to have taken on the wedding night means he must have knocked her up or something. And no, I mean, they're born much too late for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and for that matter, I think, I'll double check this. I think I, I think I can say, but I mean, it's also clear, but she, they, she wasn't around at that time point in time basically but um I'll, I'll look so i i may be leading us on a goose chase of things that we basically have to drop but uh let me let me sure. check our old uh, the actual westerlands file on the other George. hand it probably doesn't reveal anything um that important you know? in in the sense that it's just uh detail that was compressed um i mean there are pre- yeah. previous examples of twins uh in the lannister line mentioned here as well so that's even more likely they just yeah that's true yes Absolutely. Uh, and of course, there was uh, the other interesting, I think you may have tweeted about that as well, the other interesting Lannister fact that came out, the interesting ancestor to On our uh, tree here, you mean? Or is it, uh, yeah, you? the family tree has in the Lannister yeah. tree, sure. Um, you may notice uh, uh, a, a name that's familiar from yes. the Duncan Egg stories. Let me see the book again. As, as a wife of Gerald Lannister. Ah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that was uh, we kind of went. Huh? huh? <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? No, well, the guy was, was old. Her her second was it her second husband? I guess technically uh, that that she married in the uh, Duncan Egg. Fourth husband, but yes, there, was but uh, it was old. So obviously, it's just Osbury died, and and she mentioned that Gerald Lannister was one of her suitors, but she never thought that he was really interested because of uh, yeah. of you know, but he he preferred living in Castle Rock and that. But obviously something changed, and, and he married her and, uh, and, um, yeah. and gave birth to Tolds uh, Titus. So, you know, she is oh, the yeah. grandmother of, of Tywin and, and so on. Was her, like, sigil like a black widow or something? Or <laughs> She was called the Red Widow. Yeah, the Red uh, Widow, okay. Yeah. And, and the yeah. Weber's symbol is a, is, a, is a spider, a spider on a web. Oh, so that was really interesting to come across. The other stuff, obviously, the, the family trees were really interesting. I mean, George, um, especially, I mean, the, the Targaryen tree is just enormous. Mm. Um, there were a lot of logistic problems with how do we represent this um, family, very large family bush, I suppose one could call it, yeah. because it's um, <laughs> very incestuous. The branches are a bit tangled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and coming up with symbols for, okay, how do we, marriages and second marriages, and okay, we'll have to number these kids because we can't put them in order since they, um, yeah, then it won't connect up the, the poor person at the, uh, you know, Becker and Mayor, Becker yeah. and the, the, who did the layout of the book had um, quite the work cut out trying to get the Targaryen family sheet to fit on two pages. So in, uh, is there anything we want to cut out of that earlier chat then, or I think no, I think it's safe to say that uh, the children were not born from that wedding night, and um, it, yeah. it took a while for for that. So I I, I think it's quite clear that theory is, is wrong. I, uh, I always thought that Jamie Cersei being like that's a weak theory. It's, all it's meant to be is is just like that night is supposed to hint at that Eris wanted to do something, and that happened later, perhaps for Tyrion. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly again, there's stuff that adds fuel to the fire. Uh, the book obviously says sort of that he was quite the womanizer. 
Um, and yeah, he, keeps, he keeps describing like in the books he keeps describing like like for some like he has like some sort of knowledge of her body. It's just like oh your breasts must be sagging now. They're not as perky or something like that. It's like he was definitely obsessed with her with her a bit. Yeah, it's so so our maester writes. Um, <laughs> so, oh, we, we, we will see. I, I mean, I, I the later bit. I, I to me, I just to go back to Tyrion and the fear about her. To me, it's like it cuts so much out of the fact that you know when when Gena tells. Jamie, yeah. you know, Tyrion is, you know, your father's son. I mean, he he's the one who's really Tywin's son. Um, it, it loses a lot, and also, I mean, the yeah. the kinslaying. Um, I mean, I think the idea that Tywin suspected, suspected, or, and that that sort of poisoned the poisoned the relationship. That that that's a that's a good layer, I think, and I think that's I just, I, it's more interesting if it isn't true. Yeah. To me, anyways. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, well, we have yeah, no special I, I hope it's this. not true. Definitely, like it's. It's. Uh, I agree with you. I. I would like it to be. He's Tywin's son. Like that would. Yeah. I hope it, it ends up that. Yeah. Way. Uh, there's also the thing about like how many sort of secret Targaryens you really want around. So. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. This George's story. Uh, Some of them know. are probably black fires anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a two-minute break. If you guys want to get water or anything, I'm. I'm going to see if I can get uh, Mimi's on. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Let's do that. Be right back. All right, I am back. Let's see. All right. Are you two there? Yeah, yep. we're still there. Right. Let's just take a look at the, if there's anything. I mean, most of the questions on the forums, as they as they said, they can't really. There's not much to ask until it comes Absolutely out. Absolutely sure. Yeah, if there's anything there that we we want to cover, we can do so. But I don't. I suppose. Uh, yeah, we could talk a bit more about sort of just the process of working with George on. I mean, we have sort of along the way kind of mentioned some of it, but I, I mean, obviously, um, one aspect of working with it was when when George was sending us his sidebars, which are these long texts. Uh, we would go through them and, and point out problems. Um, yeah, like you know, obviously there were little minor spe- spelling errors and such, but also things like where a detail contradicted something from the books or something from, you know, from another thing that he had written for the book, and so we we would point them out and we generally would propose solutions, like if like uh, to try to re- reconcile them as, as easily as possible to minimize how much work George has to do to fix things, and and again then we'd send the draft. Back and you know then Anne Grohl, the editor, she would sort of add her own comments and notes about things, and George would then tackle those comments and notes, and we'd get a final kind of version. Um, so there was a that that was that process of working with George on the stuff that he was writing, and then of course, um, and then when it came to the time of of our realizing, well, this is all too much, we would take those final versions, and then we would sort of, well, this is a source, we will paraphrase it, rephrase it, cut it down, compress it to the essential details. Um, and we would usually go through several processes of cutting as well. We would do some cutting, send it on to Anne. She would do some more cutting. Uh, sometimes we'd have to reintegrate some things that have been cut because it, it was needed to explain a previous thing. In some cases, information might be doubled up between two sections, and then we would keep it in one, cut it out of the other to try and trim things down like that. So it's so a lot of juggling information back and forth. Hmm. The other thing, and and obviously a process like this can lead to, you know, I mean, it's it's a big book. It's 180,000 words. I mean, we were contracted 50,000. We figured, it, you know, this spot, ah, 90,000 will be fine. It came out to twice that because as, as of all things George turns his hand to, the tale grows into telling. But... Um, 
there are, I will say this, uh, the first print of the book, the first edition, you know, is will have some errors in it, but the third print, which is already being printed, I'm told, and possibly even the fourth print, I, I, I'm not sure uh, at this point, but will have corrected. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see about having a thread, obviously, on the forum, uh, ice and fire forum, to have people post like polls they see, but they have to recognize that if you see an error in the first print, it, wait and see if people who have the third print still spot that error because we did weed out quite a few little mistakes they were nothing like huge i think and in, in any like anything that made us go oh my god we have to rewrite and everything you know and nothing like that but this little little thing so that that's because we were working down to the wire it, the text was the editor was okay we have to lock this text now and there were little things that had to be tweaked and there were little things that yeah. had to be gone over and checked um uh, even though there had been continuous editing on all the pieces all along especially for obviously spelling and grammar and all these things then once it was all put together once we were reading it as one piece making sure that there weren't any contradictions between things that had been written, you know, maybe two years ago, and then things written more recently. So um, some of the things crept in from the piecing together, and then seeing the whole picture. And you know, perhaps you know, it would have been nice to have another month of being able to read it two or three more times. But at the same time, when you've read the text so many times in so many different forms yourself, you do start getting a little blind to yeah. the errors. Uh, and in a different vein, at the same time, there, there are things that are deliberately contradictory uh, in the text. Um, or, or, or there are things that, are, that we have a clearer picture of from George's expanded text, but that in boiling it down, it gets a bit more elliptical and a little bit harder to pin down. So some things that look like, well, that doesn't make sense or like this doesn't fit my knowledge of this, that or the other could just be because, you know, our maester takes for granted his knowledge and doesn't really entirely explain things. So um, and but there's some stuff in the Iron Island section, which which seems kind of might feel contradictory to, to the history that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but which you have to kind of work around and think, well, okay, well, how can I reconcile it? And then, then you'll hit on, on what's actually going on. I, I won't be too explicit about it. Let's let people figure out when I'm not sure. So I, I was thinking now is, I mean, I've tabbed up about 10 or 15 pages of interest. Sure. Kind of can jump around and talk about that. Yeah, whatever. We're, yeah. we're fine. We're not. We'll see how, how, how the discussion flows from there. Okay. Yeah. First thing, I mean, one of the first things I did was I, I jumped to the index and I looked up Manwoody. So let me see. Oh, <laughs> yeah. House Manwoody here. Page 91 is one of them, I think. I'm pretty sure I know what that one is. Uh, yeah. Sir Michael Manwoody was uh, yes. the third husband of uh, one of Baylor's sisters. Which sisters was this? It was uh, Elena. Elena. And uh, yeah, it describes Manwoody in detail. He seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Yes. Well, that that there's a story behind that one, and um, that that is a homage to a uh, moderator uh, of the Ice and Fire Forum in the past who um, passed away uh, hmm. a long time ago. Um, he was a professor of economics in Australia. Uh, he was a very cultured guy, very funny. Um, he loved uh, opera and classical music. I had lots of discussions with him about that. And uh, so, I mean, he, you know, Lord Man, he was Lord Manwoody. On, that was his handle on the forum. So um, his real name was Michael. So when George learned about this, uh, he had, I think he possibly even met him. 
uh, George had always said, "Well, I, I'll, I'll work in a, a, a nod to him somehow." And this is a, this was it was wonderful to kind of have the opportunity to uh, to see him putting it there. And basically, we added some of the details, like you know, um, you know he was a musician and he had a harp on his tomb, just to kind of reference his 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 love of music. And at the same time, you know, he but he was involved in stuff with banking and so on because obviously economics. So uh, that that was this uh, that was a nod to to someone who who was uh, near and dear to many of us on, on the forum, and uh, it's a great tragedy when he he was gone. So yeah, yeah, uh, long overdue. I mean, I think George had. I recall when George first learned about. Him, I mean, this was before Peace of Crows. He thought maybe he could work something into Peace of Crows and didn't happen. But I think it works really nicely to, to put it in here. Yes, I think we basically learned that he said well. When he told us about her husband, and I think he told us that one of them was yeah, Dornish. Exactly. And uh, of course, we learned about. I mean, obviously, we learned about her. I mean, we we've known some of the details that we have about like Daeron and Baylor, like Daeron uh, the first, the young dragon, and Baylor uh, the blessed are all things that can, and also again the worry are things that came from notes that George sent us, like a. More, yeah, more than a decade ago, uh, in relation to to or Blood of Dragons, much our our game where he thought yeah you might you guys might find this useful because we're so, set in that time period we're currently mm, in the reign yeah. of Baylor and oh well I have some notes on that period you you know we use that as a, a backstory basically and, yeah just don't tell anyone but now it's <laughs> it's long enough I think we can say so yeah uh, so I think yeah that that's it he must have mentioned when he was telling us about Elena and, and so on by the way I think that we'll make yeah was it ninety eight though. Well, it would have to have been something later where he would talk about. Well, no, no. I think that for the book now, when he, we brought. <laughs> oh yes, up, he actually mentioned that one of the husbands was going to be Dornish, and I think you were the one who who again suggested let's make that the homage to uh, yeah. Lord Manwoody. Yeah. So. Wait. So did you want that game part cut out then? The mention of the no, game. No, no, no. Oh. We've been sitting on it long enough, and now that all the yeah. details are basically out there. Yeah. And- it's, it's- it's been very funny, of course. We we've kind of done stuff on our. I mean, our game. If if you've ever looked around the website, we've got like a, a family trees for various houses and so on. And and we kind of have updated quietly for new information that comes yeah. from George from this book and so on. So we kind of updated our family. There were some people on the forum who wised up to it and started looking, but of course they they didn't quite know which bits working on and which we had invented so yeah so yeah we had a bit of so anyways that was all you know with george's you know george was been a sort of great supporter of, of like the game as such i mean he, he said yes which to when we asked permission and and he sent those notes which was just like a gold mine for kind yeah. of be able to do things so um yeah so we just we updated our family trees to kind of fall in line with the stuff that is is contained in in the world book um and that's one of the uses of this book that I realize. I mean, like if you if you play RPG a game and you want to play in the world, not just the current timeline but the past, this book provides yeah. a lot of information if, for world building. Sure, if you want to do this, or you know, the uh, Green Ronin has their Song of Ice and Fire role play game. If you want to, you could, this is a great source book for kind of you know, doing something in the, in the time path. of. I yeah. mean, there's there's rich stuff. I mean, you could do all sorts of stuff like the reign of Magor the Cruel because that's, that's or, or setting stuff. something during the dance and just picking something that is a little out of the way. If, yeah. Yeah, you know, you could have some wild shit going there's, on. There's, in fact, there's a there's a detail for Dance of Dragons. Let's see if I can find it here uh, in short notice. In discussing all the battles of the dance, <clears throat> um, no, it's later than this, but not that much later. Oh yeah, here we are. Silverwing. Good Queen Alasane's dragon, mounted by a dragon scene and betrayer, survived him and the dance both, but became wild and made her lair in an isle in Red Lake. 
So you could have a story about <laughs> dragon hunters trying to kill this wild dragon on yeah. in Red Lake or whatever. I, you, you, this rich is ripe for all sorts of, of of stuff like that for those who kind of tabletop role play and and so on. I mean, this, that's what I when I was going through this book, it reminded me of the that original RPG book that came out. That's the company went out of business. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, that was Guard, Guardian of Order. Uh, we helped them with that one a bit, and and provided them. Uh, we actually wrote there was this. They had like a summary of like a Game of Thrones in the back of that. I mean, and we wrote that. In fact, that the reason or the fact that they went out of business sort of opened up a little bit because we actually used or allowed them to use the concordance as the structure. Yeah. For how they laid out their information, and I know that when we originally started planning the book. George was a little concerned about then using a similar structure for this book. But then he felt that, well, since they had gone out of business and the books were hardly, you know, very rare and difficult, we could go back to using that as a template for for this book as well. So uh, if there are similarities... Um, In structure, yeah. Yeah, they, they do both sort of have a, a kinship. They're, they're distant relatives of the concordance, in a sense. I mean, yeah, it has every once in a while that one would have like the full page image spread. And that's what you have here as well. That's why it was yeah. know, like, a big spread of different locations. But this is this is far more up to date because that was that was old, right? This is all yeah, like, no, it's quite old. Yeah. And I mean, some of the history. I mean, that's that's the one where we have that. If you look in that one, that's the one that has the whole thing about how Rhaenyra had a strong uh, Lord Strong was her husband, and he died in mm. a fire, and so on. Yeah. That's actually in there, and that's some notes that George had shared with us that we didn't, and helping them shared with them. Um, when they were putting that together, and then obviously, as I said earlier, you know, George ended up completely rewriting that. Some of the stuff in that book is is wrong now. Um, so I mean, that, there, that there you can see how he overrides the yeah. what was sort of semi-canon at the time, but he didn't have his name on it as yeah. author, so he has no problem overwriting it with a exactly. book that actually is canon because he's directly involved in it. You guys are actually referencing that book, I think, right? When you're like, yes, uh, we we are. Uh, there are, I think, playtest examples <laughs> or whatever, yeah. and, and Elio and Linda are playing characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was you know uh, that was that, that book was a real labor of love from, and and I mean yeah. they really put a lot into it. They were a small. Um, Canadian company Guardians yeah. of Order actually. I, that yeah. was the problem that they were Canadian. They that was the problem. The exchange rates killed them basically. There were some big exchange rate issues at the time, but basically yeah. seriously hurt, hit them. But uh, they really did some really great work, and it was a shame they had these big plans. They wanted to do a sort of um, they wanted to do like a living campaign thing where basically they would put out um, campaign modules and people would sort of play them and then share their stories and they'd create a sort of uh, a shared narrative global narrative and uh they were talking to us about maybe like they could set in our period of our blood of dragons yeah. and they could kind of use us as the template for her but unfortunately that didn't work out yeah. um but no it was it was quite a uh, you know very i think george was quite happy with the book it was just a shame it didn't yeah they, they yeah. it basically killed them because it was such a big book and it took so long yeah. and it cost so much to kind of put together they just couldn't get out of the hole they were in so um but yeah, they said uh, in, in their pre in their preview there, the winter came for them, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. But I mean that, that that's why I mean that book is so I, mean, I have a copy of it, but you can't get it anymore. But this one, anyone? No, can I get think it, I think you can find uh, you can still get the PDF of it from um, online from there's a drive through drive through RPG, RPG. I think is the place that they, so for those who want to look at it because it's it's a pretty cool book and it's a nice uh, I particularly like the. And their own home system, and not the. I mean, it was a D twenty book, and they also had the sort of DX system. I like that one more than D twenty. But um, anyways, for those who are interested in that kind of thing, it, it's worth looking at. I think Drive for RPG still has it. 
continuing the Manwoody uh, stuff, yeah. there's, there's also, I mean, one of the kings that was sent by Nymeria to the wall here is Albin of House Manwoody, a troublesome madman who claimed dominion <laughs> over the Red Mountains. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, that, 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 that was, uh, there was one kind of George writing all these kings down okay. from, from that period and trying to sort out, you know, who were the various kings in the Maria sent off and, and defeated. Um, that That's actually a, a little of a, just a, a, a just, a nod to a player on our game actually this this is a bit of a fun we i, I will admit there, there are a couple little details nothing big and again everything was run by george so yeah. there's a couple little things that we worked in that are actually drawing from from our game and things that you know things that we created for our game so there was a reference to um i think mostly really... just when we needed a name to yeah. flesh out something for color it's like nothing that you know earth shaking or anything but it's there we, ne- we needed a name for one of the kings that she sent to the wall and uh we had a player who's yeah yeah um, we thought it was fun to call him a troublesome madman <laughs> yeah i'll uh, the mad woody <laughs> yeah so no that, that was fun that was quite fun to me i mean i think the dornish history was really cool that george put together uh, oh yeah as, as you said elsewhere i mean his his royish history i mean as you said what i when we were writing it i had i i wrote a Sort of a speculative and, and brief. I just not like I wrote Much page brief, pages, yeah. very like a couple of paragraphs, like how the Bruiner got to Dorne, and I had some detail about how Lemurio allegedly sent envoys seeking you know to various places seeking uh, shelter and went, and George actually made like, look guys, is that somewhere from the books? I don't recall that. Um, and we said, no, 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 that's speculative, George. I mean, we that, that there's a note that says we're speculating here. Um, okay, well, yeah, I, I've had different ideas about it. So, and then he sent us his his actual Royanish history. So it's the history of, of the Royanor is entirely his, basically, and um, and it turned out to be a lot more detailed, than a lot more detailed than yeah. we imagined. And his sort of Dornish, where he had all these things about the petty kings and uh, very cool stuff. Well, I mean, Nymeria's route is a lot more complicated than we thought. Like, far more complicated. It's not like she went from from the Rhoyne straight to Dorne. It was a a long wandering in in the uh, wild. I and... think that the most oh my god thing that came out of the Dornish material or was, was, or well, was probably the uh, the bit with the the dragon's wrath and realizing, oh um yeah, because. We actually we do have the game running in Dorne as well. We have Sunspear, and we've actually featured some locations. And then we realized um, we, we're kind of going to have to tell our players later on that, by the way, guys, all these castles that your characters live in, are like slag, they're slag heaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we then had the bit where George. Uh, that's one where we did a contribution there, where we. Yeah. George had Aegon and and Visenya in their wrath in their wrath. Uh, burning really? all these castles sometimes yeah. repeatedly, right? And we see what happens when a dragon burns a castle that gets uh, yeah. Heron Hall. Yeah. I mean, they, the rock starts melting and cracking and so on. Yeah. Said, so, well, they were supposed to do it to every castle in, in Dorne, but wait a second, we, we've, we've seen, seen Sunspear. We've seen Sunspear. There's no mention of it being slagged. So we suggested to him the, the suggestion that, well, they didn't burn Sunspear deliberately. Like, there's, for some reason, like, they had a, some tactical, strategic reason for, for, for not burning Sunspear. And so George worked that in to kind of make that work. But basically, most of our castles in Dorne are probably not looking so great. Or, no. or if they are looking great, they, they basically, someone basically knocked them down and, and rebuilt them, basically. Well, I don't think they have actually, I think it mentions for Ghost Hill. Specifically. That does. it's... Uh... I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I'm kind of wondering if George is really going to want, like, Starfall to be a slag heap. Yeah. 
the pale stone sword doesn't sound like something that's gotten uh, damage, but it, it's who knows? true. Or maybe they missed that one. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, one Plus thing it. about, I mean, this book is if you didn't think Dorn was badass already, I think this book is. Yeah. Like, let's go page what? 44, for example. I mean, with the the Toad of Dorn uh, meeting the. Oh yeah! Oh no, she's fantastic. Yeah. Now is that that Rainus actually dies in Dorn, right? And a, and a dragon. Yes, yes she does yes. indeed. She she. Um, like you're not welcome here. You're not wanted here. <laughs> yeah, she leaves, but then she comes back and starting yeah. a campaign, and then she uh she and her dragon are knocked out of yeah. the sky and. Uh, I mean, one of the most interesting part is, like as you said, like she gets, she dies, and then they get pissed off, like they have their the wrath thing, yeah. and uh, and then it's like they put bounties on the uh, Dornish uh, lords' heads, and then they they counter by sending assassins, and that's what ultimately leads to the Kingsguard founding, right? Is that yeah, it, it definitely is a big uh, impetus for that, and it it's a it's really cool. I mean it it's it's like if we fought like the war of the five kings was bloody. I mean this was like this really brutal. Fighting where the Dornish were, were basically fighting back in the only way they knew how, which was you know the the only way they could really yeah. given given. And I mean, and they were clearly prepared to fight to the very last man, yeah. woman, child. Uh, given the speculations, I think those made it in. I've that, always that, right at, at the end that uh, if the war had continued, uh, I mean they couldn't have they couldn't have kept it up. They they were so decimated. Yeah, no, no. I mean, obviously, the shades of sort of, um, I mean, I have shades of Vietnam, basically. I mean, the dragons are napalm, and they're napalming yeah. all the uh, Viet Cong and North Vietnamese, and you know, they're hiding out in in caves and yeah. uh, whatever, and and they're still fighting. So uh, George and there's much less jungle to hide in. I mean, it's just the sand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, no. It's 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 just it was really. Uh, I mean, we we ourselves have a fondness for Dorn. Um, so it was very, very pleasing to read it and sort of get so much more information about it. Yeah. Well, you get also, I mean, the, the whole like Daron's uh, conquest and, and what happened afterward. You get more details there in Baylor and just some of the yeah, artwork that, is great with the dragon or the snake pit, viper pit. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's all stuff that we actually had. That's some of the stuff that we had. So from from way back. So some of that details like basically straight from us. Yeah. Uh, but based on George's notes, of course. Um. So yeah, it was nice to kind of finally be able to sort of say, yeah, this this was not stuff we just made up for our game. It's stuff that came that George gave. Because we kind of have snuck in little details along the way, and uh, not, and not told people whether you know this came from George's notes or just things that we made up. So they have happened in the background or or on camera over the years. And <laughs> well, I'm looking at uh, yeah the Daron here. I mean, I, we knew the Daron died, but we didn't, we didn't know that he was killed under a a peace banner apparently let's see yeah no yeah. that that's that's so a detail that's why they don't trust the door <laughs> yeah no yeah. george george kind of gave us the details of his he he tweeted after he did add a bit that we didn't have where he, he mentioned like his note to us was like you know he is hmm okay well his 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 note said basically darian was killed under a peace banner meeting with some dornish uh, and he and some kings got murdered, and and Aim of Dragon Knight is captured, and yeah. he tweaks that slightly uh, in the final version. They, fellow who, yeah, 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 we but, didn't, we didn't but, have the information. Yeah, but, yeah. But that said, um, I don't want, I don't want to spoil it for for our yeah, players. Oh, this is a thing where we, I don't want to spoil for our players, so, um, so I won't talk about it. But um, yeah, so that was really interesting, just to to have that kind of thing and be able to do it. I mean, and to think like, and, and the people who've been on our game, like, well, wow, I've played that. Like that stuff happened on on the game. It's really cool to see that we were actually living in in like the real history of of 
of Westeros, like as as George made it, it wasn't just stuff that you know Elio and Linda came up with for the game. So that's yeah. that's kind of neat. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to what our players make of it, and they start pointing out, oh my god, there's a reference to this character, yeah. or oh my god, that event really did happen, and and so on. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been a, a long time waiting for some of that thing to be, to be confirmed as such. So, I mean, we're, we're so, obviously, the, the whole, uh, we're so invested in the history ourselves because we've always enjoyed and just because we, you know, everything we've done with Westeros, everything started with us wanting to do that game. So it kind of, it's been at the root of everything. That's why, that's why it sort of creeps into everything like that. Going to uh, page fifty-eight, fifty-nine. I mean, fifty-eight is a great portrait of Megor on the uh, throne. Um, and then there's a, there's a couple of various interpretations of what happened to him. What do you personally think? Do you think he was murdered, or he suicide, or? Oh, I the, murdered absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I that's what I believe. I mean, George's uh, when George writes these up, he doesn't provide the answers to his mystery. So we, yeah. it, it, my speculation is, yeah, he was murdered. The, the, the throne yeah. didn't rise up and and stab <laughs> Some someone helped him. Someone helped the throne do his yeah. job. So yeah. now, as to uh, who did it. <sighs> It certainly wasn't obvious from the text. It's not obvious from the text. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm inclined to believe that it's it's probably Knights of the King's Guard who did it, mm. but that that's just my belief. Yeah, they definitely had access to like somebody who had access. With the, the knights were right there. The, one of them could have done it. Yeah, but it's funny. It describes how he killed all those guys that worked on the. Uh, was it the Red Keep or yeah, yeah, sure. And then he had trouble finding other people to build other stuff because <laughs> nobody. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Unexpected consequences. Yeah. yeah. And then just the next I, page, Tyanne of the Tower, uh, talking about her and, and uh, sorcery and stuff. I mean, that seems to be a recurring theme in the the history of this, at least Westeros. There's always like these women that are rumored to be like doing sorcery and sure. kind of stuff. Yes, I, I actually just started thinking of it myself here, uh, and it's one that. Uh, has popped into my head. I, I I'm kind of wondering what people are going to make of that. When we we don't get their side of the story, but mm. if you go through the history here, there's certainly a number of foreign women mm. who end up being involved in things and blamed for all sorts of things. You you have you know Tiana. You have um, um, what's her name? Uh, Damon's. Uh, I keep mixing up. Mysteria. Mysteria. The, the you know the the white worm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and um, it, they all seem. I mean, yeah, that ties in also with you know the lace serpent. Yeah. Who, yeah. And uh, I guess you know you could go as far in saying that uh, Tiana is. Tiana was. Yeah. Uh, so you have all these foreign women who are, you know beautiful, seductive, and then end up being rumoured, and in some cases clearly not rumoured, just to have certain powers. Uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting theme, and I, I um, the books certainly don't make it clear whether they are, you know, always at fault, or whether mm. they end up being scapegoats, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it's a combination. It could be just a combination of both sexism and like kind of like racism, or they're from Essos, but or there could be something there. But they're definitely yeah. I think it could obviously be they are they're very easy um, targets to blame. Certainly, Um, I mean, it's it's not clear with these women whether they are in fact uh, 
both uh, Magor's wife and then Damon's mistress come off as um, potentially, you know, quite cruel and unpleasant, but whether they are as bad as they are being portrayed. To, yeah, this is all, you know, the, these are what the histories say, yeah. where they are 100% correct. Uh, I mean, it's doubtful they are 100% correct. And, and then you have to think about the biases of... You know, of these the foreign temptresses. And... Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, there's a, there's actually a, a Jane of House Westerling on that page, too, like an earlier yes, Jane here. That, that's, that's a detail we know of, of course. Uh, in yeah. Super Swords, Rob mentions that there was a... Uh, a westerling bride to Maegor, so... I don't think Jane, we... The themed Jane as well, yeah, actually, okay. I think he said, so... He's got a lot of stillborn kids here, it seems. Well, yeah. that was, that's why he had so many wives. He was trying to get... Yeah. Uh, but there are obviously fertility issues with the Targaryen, yeah. as we see there. And Maegor in particular. Wait, yeah. Born eyeless with small wings? For, for the Eleanor's child with small wings? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're, that, that's... There's a, a number of cases of deformed... Targaryen children miscarriage. Yeah. yeah, that's that's an interesting, and that is part of the. There was this big thing on on the borders. There are people who want to believe, but you know, the Targaryens don't have you know dragon blood, but it's all alive, and anyone could control the dragon. And uh, and no, I think things like this show that there's something innate to them that connects them to dragons. Mm. Um, it and I think you know the dragon. There's a reason the dragon lords were. I mean, there is some discussion. In the book about yeah. how dragons came. Is there? Up, came well, I, yeah, there is. Yeah, it's, it's trying to say yeah. like, would they actually had that connection, or they just managed to do it? But yeah, there's some debate in the book itself. Yeah, so it, it is an interesting. It is an interesting thing um, with with the sorcery and and also just with the dragons. Sort of those little details. I mean, uh, Rhaenyra has a child as well that comes out with you know yeah. sealed and so on and. Um, Dan, Danny's child isn't such a rare thing anymore when you look at these. No, it's not examples. so rare anymore, yeah. no. All right, let's see what else I got here. The whole section on Baylor was interesting, seeing that stuff on him and what he yeah. did and how he started to go crazy, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. No, no, it's, he uh, is one loopy fella. One loopy fella. We're, we're currently uh, in his reign in our game, and people are... We definitely, we definitely do think it was he was bitten that many times and that had an effect on him. Like, it wasn't just his own. I, yeah, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, he, he, was, he was... And all that fasting that he kept yeah. doing didn't exactly help. Yeah. yeah. But hey, he built a nice... Or he started building the nice... Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, it's, it, and and he has to be credited for for finally bringing Dorne into the realm. I mean, it yeah. sort of started in his reign, the process of reconciling and, and sort of making a, an accord. After yeah, that's what yeah. happens when you walk barefoot from yeah. King's Landing to Sunspear. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like how they, it says like on the way back they made sure to keep an eye out for him so he wouldn't be murdered like on the road. And yeah, cause trouble between. Exactly. Yeah. I mean that that's that was another thing. Like people yeah. were like. <laughs> But when he got when he got to the Amon, they're just like, okay, you can free him. Here, go ahead, walk into the. the yeah, and he's like, well, but, yeah. yeah, Lord Will was a particularly quarrelsome <laughs> and unpleasant fellow. Yeah, like, like, well, well, I didn't actually kill him. It was his own choice to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I didn't do it. Like, hey, it's not my fault. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, he stepped on those snakes all his own. I have to say, I mean, it, it's been it, we we have had great fun with our game because I mean we 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 all that stuff has been played out on right. our games and, and people would like be shaking their head like I can't believe that would really happen and George did it and, yeah. and George finally reveals what happened and then oh, this is all from George guys uh, it'll be really interesting to see what, what people tell us yeah. Mm. yeah particularly that walk back to Dorne the walk back to Dorne was yeah like 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 it's not enough that he walks all the way to Dorne barefoot he then says well I had to make the walk back barefoot <laughs> 
Yeah, they offered him a ship or something, I think, or at least... Yeah, and he said, no, 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 I got to, I still have to do penance. Yeah. And right. It's pretty fun. Two-page... Uh, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, Baylor is an interesting one, because, I mean, Georgia said, you know, to, when you talk about Targaryen madness, I mean, you know, there's, there's the whole notion of it, you know, a god's of a coin, and one side is greatness, and one side... And, and George once said, you know, well, I mean... There's all sorts of types of madness. Yeah, there's all types of bad madness, I mean... I mean, Daeron was probably a bit mad as yes, well. Yes, Daeron and Dragon had this sort of the, the megalomania that Alexander the Great had, and yet he conquered Dorne when no oh, one yeah, else had ever succeeded. Oh, yeah, because he has that lovely line. That one did make it in, yes? Yes, that line yeah, does make it, it in. in. We, that's that's one George provided us that we never had, which is... Um, I, I don't know if you read Daeron's uh, entry, um, where... where People were saying, well, no, we can't invade Dorne. We don't have dragons anymore. And, you know, we and, didn't even succeed when we had dragons. Yeah, we didn't even, we don't, we didn't see when we had dragons. No, what? Well, yeah, exactly. and we don't have them now. And he basically says, well, we have a dragon. He stands before you. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty <laughs> badass line there. That's a pretty bad line. So, and, uh, so well, of course, a list of dragons that died in Dorne then. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the number one that died in Dorne. But uh, yeah, that was really cool. And, and you know... The the details there are of a campaign are again stuff that George shared with us and also we have some notes from John and Stannis I think talked about Eren's uh, <clears throat> conquest in in the Silver Swords because there was a whole thing about um, disagreeing on how he what did was it? a piece for crows. Uh, it was a piece for crows, actually. Uh, goat tracks and well, no, it would have been uh, Dance for Dragons because John and Donis. Well, it, it was a feast for crows when we saw it. But oh well, Dance yes, that's yeah, true. Sorry, <laughs> we, we, you know we've we've mentioned this before, but we had the manuscript of Feast for Crows like when it was not split, and that had that John chapter which that's only right. got published. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Mm. No, it's been it's been it's just really cool for us to finally kind of have all these things that we've sort of vaguely known about or or not so vaguely known about finally. See the light of day, yeah. and knowing that George has done so much work uh, on it, and and finally getting able to sort of share it. Yeah. Really so now cool. we don't have to sit on that information. Now we just have to sit on the information that didn't actually make it into this book. Yeah. Until his well, fire and blood comes out. Yeah. What was us? <laughs> well, I mean, the discussion. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of interesting, interesting discussion in the next couple of months. As like. Oh yeah, I, I should certainly think so. There's going to be all sorts of talk. I, I, I'm not invited because I just find it so hard to remember what made it into the book and what didn't. I'm going to have to double check everything I say. Well, I mean, it, it, in, in fact, that temporary conquest of Dorne was interesting because it showed how, like, the small folk kept fighting on, even if the lords kind of had to do, like, yeah. they, they just that, didn't want to be That's one of the there. things that we've always felt that really <clears throat> sets Dorne apart, that there is such a... Uh, even though they were obviously quite split up, Originally, all these little petty yeah. kings, they have somehow have a very strong national identity. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, it, we 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 always speculate that based. Uh, it's not something that George has ever like explicitly said to us, like yeah, they the small folk. But you see it in the books. Um, yeah. In A Feast for Crows, mm-hmm. you have, you know, you have small folk in the streets calling for revenge for Oberyn, calling for war. And, like, we don't see any small folk in, in the North saying, let's go and kill Lannisters for Ned Stark. I mean, you you're, you see basically the noble class talking like that. But for, for the commoners who barely know who Ned Stark is, they probably would rather stay at home with their kids and raise their crops and try and figure out. Mind you, Ned winter. Stark wasn't going around sleeping with all their wives and you know hanging out with them. And <laughs> yeah, true. But um, at the same time, um, and then you got like the um, when Brienne kills Timmy in the door, and you know, and he says, "Well, you know, finish it, you know, and send my send my." bones you know back to dorn you know whatever he 
Dorne is like the homeland and it is something it's 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 an important thing that sort of has unified even though the Dornish are often fighting, you know, sort of troublesome with one another and poisonings and, you know, the Ironwoods have this lofty opinion of themselves and mm. uh, and so on. Yet, somehow, when a threat from outside comes up, they'll all work together because, and from, from the top down all the way to the, the, the poorest peasant. I mean, it may be that this is more come from the Rhoynish side of things as opposed to the, the original firstman inhabitants. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I always I mean, because they were displaced from their country and now they're very sort of fiercely protective of... Maybe. I. It's hard to say. To me, I, I think mainly, you know, ancient Greece, how the Greeks would come to, came together against the Persians. Mm. Were, and they fought among one another and they hated one another most of the time, but it, they were Greeks. Yeah. And everyone else wasn't. And that sort of was the the okay. thing that bound them together? So I think George kind of drew on that kind of history uh, when when writing about this sort of thing. Well, obviously he's mentioned Wales as well, which had the Welsh as well had the same thing. Very strong were... national identity uh, with the small folk sort of on the commoners backing up the nobles in the yeah. Well, in looking at uh, page fifty-one, I mean, I, I always find it interesting to learn a little, little bit more about the the laws in the, in the world because they're not often described well. And and here it, it distinguishes that Dorne is different, but it's like the rule of six. Yes, no, that that was quite interesting to get. It was obviously an interesting uh, way that we got those laws. Basically, when you had this uh, pretender king who was set up and was trying to introduce a bit of Dornish law through uh, this uh, other prostitute who was a friend of his mother's. A lover of his mother, yeah, actually, yeah. yes. Uh, no, that was a fun one, because basically he, he stuff like, you know, that um, crippled soldiers would would have to be given beer and bread for the rest of their lives from the lords who they had fought for, and, and various very reform, kind of things that seem like really good, very sort of um, socially conscious um laws and realizing well we this represents that Dorne and Paul probably through the Royalish influence there has a, a sort of somewhat more communal um attitude towards towards the relationship between the noble and, and the small folk. And that probably also is at the root of then a little bit why they are more on yeah. board with actually caring about what the nobles do or don't do and when they yeah. die and what because there's a more a closer relationship. Yeah. I can't find the page, but you know, there's the the Battle of Seven, like a seven on seven. There's, I think there's one that goes along with uh, Magor, right? Or is it? Yeah, the tri- uh, a trial of seven, yeah. which is uh, like Duncan Egg had, and yeah, Magor has one, and with the the warriors. Uh, sorry, the um, uh, yeah, the warrior sons. Yeah, yeah the, the order of the warrior sons, with the the Grand Master of the order, and and six picked men, and uh, and then that's the one. That's like the one where you know. Magor almost dies. He gets hit on the head, and at the end, and then you know he's in a coma for a while, and then he wakes up, and he and he is he's dialed up to eleven. I mean, he he goes up and mounts his dragon and goes burning from then on. It gets burninating, burninating. Yes. Um. So and that that's that's there something happens there that leads him to become. I mean, he was brutal already, but he becomes uh, just a whole... I, I think that turned off the last bit of empathy or anything. That There was a, there was a tiny section of his brain that was still kind of... I believe of this is also the period where, where it's mentioned by his either his mother or Tiana. I think it was Tiana was sort of tending to him, and there's a suggestion <laughs> that magic was being used, and that yeah. uh, whether it was or not, who knows. But um, yeah, it was very interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Visenya was a quite the hard ass, but it kind of definitely got dialed up to at least eleven with her son. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of strong women in in the in the history here. See there. Oh yeah, Visenya is yeah, really person. interesting. I mean, um, there's a lot of important women. I mean, obviously the yeah. princess and the queen had, uh, which is the, the version of *The Dance of Dragons* that George published. Um, in *Dangerous Women*, has the, this conflict, which is really rooted in this rivalry between Rhaenyra and and. Uh, um, so her her father's is, you know second wife, um, the high tower. Uh, I'm blanking. Alison, yes, Alison High Tower. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's uh, George definitely works in a lot of interesting women along the way. Uh, he's got them uh, in the Dance of Dragons narrative elsewhere. I mean, there's uh, Lady Frey <clears throat> was someone of note, and um, there's uh, Black Alley. That Lady Frey. Huh? That Lady Frey. You mean the. Um... The, the one who marries into the phrase. You yes, mean? so yeah. she was sort of yeah. like a viper. Viper, yeah. yes. Uh, and Black yeah. Alley, Blackwood, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, no, that one was. Uh... <laughs> Let's go to uh, page 188, uh, 89, the Red Kraken. Because when, when we read uh, Princess and the Queen, it seemed like the Greyjoys were going to do something. They were like, oh, yeah, they're going to do something. Then they do jack shit like, in, in the story that's described. And then here we actually get to see what they do, which is really interesting, like during that conflict. 188 with the yes. Red Kraken, yes. Um, give me one second. You're yeah, getting that, distracted that George by had, your... Sorry. Well, yeah. no, I, I, I yeah. was... It was how to pronounce Alicent. I think I would have pronounced it even more. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. but um, 188, the Red Kraken. Yeah, that, that was a lot of interesting detail. Uh, and I think we didn't... Yeah, that we actually did get, manage to get quite a lot of it in there. Thankfully, it, that that was one of the areas where this was all part of a Dance of Dragons narrative, and we couldn't fit it into what we eventually did for the Dance of Dragons because we, you know, we couldn't. Like, I mean, it was seventy thousand words or something, and, and we had to cut it down to much smaller. But that's one of the things where we could say, well, okay, we'll we'll, we'll trim it down a lot, and say, we'll save details for various regional stuff where it makes sense. Like, so getting the Red Kraken back in and giving all those details pretty cool, especially I mean, like how nasty it got um, <laughs> in the aftermath of the dance, where he's still causing trouble, and you know, Lady Lannister goes and you know, Lady Joanna Lannister goes and as sort of regent. You know, takes the war to be on an island, and this is really brutal, brutal yeah. thing going on. That that's that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's surprising. I mean, like the Lannisters and the Ironborn have had quite a few conflicts, uh, and they've gone to the islands yep, more they, than once. They definitely have a. Yeah, they don't like each other much. Yeah, and it's one of the things actually. Yeah, we've told players that sort of, or we will be telling players in our game. By the way, guys, like play that up. You, you should probably be playing this up that there's like you re- you really don't like <laughs> each other because we didn't realize when we started the game like George, that. That sort of detail didn't exist. George didn't send us a Dance of Dragon stuff, and the whole, you know we, no. we just had like Daeron from Daeron on, basically. Yeah. Um, I think in general, despite knowing George, despite having as in having read the books and you know the Red Wedding and all, all of that, and having a sense that yeah, this is brutal and nasty. <laughs> when we got to read the you know dance and yeah, Conflict right. Island, like okay, if you think you have it brutal and nasty enough for Westeros. Think again and dial it up a lot because it yeah, really it gets nasty, yeah. really horrible. Well, I mean, it also adds to I mean the fact. Well, one of the reasons maybe why Balin didn't actually go out the Lannisters. I mean, at least twice in history, the Lannisters have sacked the islands. 
think they've gone over that twice. So yeah. There's a bit of maybe he's a bit it's wary a bit, about that. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of a historic background there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's definitely. Uh, when Robert's rebellion is going on, you, you were, I was thinking like, well, why didn't the Greyjoys do something then? Like that's the right time rather than wait. And it seems like well, Quellan Greyjoy was slow about it, and then he did try to kind of do something, but it just was pathetic what he did. <laughs> Yeah, Balin was obviously... I mean, Balin Greyjoy is clearly um, blinded by his anger towards the Starks. And his his plan, his mad plan to take control of the North, which, I mean, his daughter is very clearly aware of, but it's not sensible. But obviously she does what her father says. Um, it, it is a mad plan, and it, it's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, what Fionn offered was far more sensible in a way, but at the same time, it doesn't fit... You know what it says. You know, give me a crown. You know, I, I I'll pay the iron price for my crown. I'll I'll take it. So um, that that's where Balin sort of it, just the the poison welling up in him towards his his defeat. And as you say, I mean, George talks about. Uh, I mean, the Iron Island stuff is like ninety five percent George. I mean, we we just redacted it down, making it shorter because we had very little. This is not, we had very little yeah. to. I mean, we had we. Had, a lot of detail about like the historical stuff like George added a lot more of the sense of the history but because of how Balin was like you know trying to revive you know, you know the, the old ways and, and, and you know the iron price mm. um, it, it I think to try you, to salvage the culture yeah, and, I mean you, you get it. a sense from it that the culture of the Iron Isles it's been quite a, a lot of back and forth and for a while mm. they've been much more sort of hardcore about their old traditions and then it would ease up for a while and then you know they allowed septons for a while and then they got to expel them all and it's been a lot of back and forth so i guess because they are you know they're quite small they've always been struggling to keep their identity so it's always been a bit of a struggle for them so it's been give and take process that sometimes they've been more civilized and other times less so mm. Yeah, it's just seeing the whole uh, the Andel conquest of the Iron Islands, or at least in intermingling. It was kind of a, it was interesting to see that how they went. I mean, it, the Iron Islands still kept part, part of the culture going forward, and yeah, like that back and forth with Faith. The Faith seems to go there sometimes, and yeah. then sometimes they are not welcome. Yeah, no, it's it, the Iron Islands are um, definitely a very ornery bunch, and uh, and a bunch that uh, tried to somehow manage to keep sort of this identity others. Despite you know invasions and defeats and so on, uh, they're, they're they're a pretty hardcore bunch. All right, there's just two more uh, tabs I wanted to mention. No, no, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, if we go to uh, South Ross, page oh. two it talks about the people. And, I mean, South is interesting to me, just like all the diseases and stuff there. But it talks about. Uh, the people being there and you might think oh they're just being like racist against them or something saying that they're a different species or something but it, it, in 286 it talks about like they can't have uh well they whenever they try to breed with the women they always have stillborn stillborn births and I, I was thinking like well maybe they are kind of like another maybe they're like you know neanderthals yeah, I mean, like a different species yeah. do you think that's the case yeah i mean the description you know, the description of them you know big bone long arms sloped mm-hmm. foreheads huge square teeth heavy jaws coarse black hair you know Flat noses, almost like snouts, skins brindled, more hog-like than human. I mean, they sound like they're there to be. There's some, yeah, they're, they're, they're some sort of human, humanoid, humanoid. Yeah. But they're not, they're not, they're not Homo sapiens. 
and sapiens. I mean, they're not the they're not the same species. Well, it's the same uh, for the the, the, the Ibanese as yeah. well. If you look there, I mean, they they turn out to be fairly similar. Uh, the people they they are they are races apart. They are. But I think there are examples of half. There's subspecies. I mean, half Ibanese children, or no? I, I can't recall if there are. I thought there might have been. Um, um, well, yeah, no, there does seem to be some other humanoids hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in our history, we had Neanderthals, right? So we had two branches. So it would make sense that yeah. you might have like yeah. two branches here as well. So that, I thought that was really interesting, though, like that. And maybe maybe I'm they have some it. more immunity to the diseases there. The, oh, I mean, obviously must, otherwise they're living there, right? <laughs> yeah, it must be part of the reason, perhaps. I mean, obviously the, the climate and such would be a large reason for the diseases, but perhaps... You know they they've evolved an entirely different way, so um, they're fine with it. And then people show up there and thinking they're going to be fine as well. And nope. Mm. I mean, he made some crazy, interesting details about the uh, various you know empires no, out. No, um, well, yeah, okay. The men yeah. that can manage to have children. Yeah, uh, but not the women, right? But yeah, yeah the women. Are so, well, I mean, usually I mean, the thing about Neanderthals is they had a different uh, length of pregnancy, I think, and so that could be the why the women have trouble. Sure, sure, I could see something like that. But uh, so yeah, George, George definitely playing around with this sort of idea that there's that uh, Westeros has managed to have sustain other sort of branches of humanity, but then uh, then our world did. I mean, we we lost the Neanderthals and so on. Um, but for whatever reason, Westeros is not the same. What what is the name of the whole world? Is there a name for the whole world? Like there, there's there's none. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, George in the text, I think there's a couple places where, and like in the books, like you know, there, there's the use of the term you know, be Earth in the sense of a the whole, the world, but that's mm-hmm. it's not planet Earth. It, I think that's just more of a generic Earth being used. Um, I don't think. Uh, that's why it's called the world of ice and fire we didn't have a better name <laughs> for it. so um yeah they probably should have some name for it but that we didn't bother asking uh george for it it's like you know like if the number one we once asked him about was could we get the like the names of the days of the week in the, the calendar of the seven <laughs> kingdoms that being or months or, or months that, uh, and hell no <laughs> <laughs> anything that's gonna pin him down uh make it easier to pin him down on dates and so on, yeah. he, he avoids not happening well you could have like this the smith day and the stranger day or something yeah <laughs> i can imagine he goes with something like that smith day and Moon day and, and like, yeah, that would work pretty well Although really, the stranger day. That that would be like the bad day of the week. Like it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. That'll be your Monday. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the Monday. Yeah, no. I mean, he has started putting in things like the you know, various hour designations. Yeah, but the hours is nothing. But that, yeah, you know, that, but that's all. There's yeah, no... we have no idea how to sort them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like I like in the, at the end you're getting information as you go further east and it's just getting more like fantastical and. Yeah. No. Stuff. Not really. It's. Um, uh, like, you know, the, 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 those empires out there. Yeah, E.T. is and, amazing history. <laughs> and then uh, you've got, like, Ashai. People are oh, yeah. very eager to get stuff on Ashai. I mean, the illustration mm-hmm. we've got for Ashai. I, I forget which artist did that one. Let me see who it is. Yeah, there are some really creepy details about Ashai. And yeah, I guess related to Ashai, and even at the start, uh, it talks about the long night at the start of the book, and it seems like a lot of cultures have that kind of story of something going on, not just mm-hmm. the Westeros people. Oh, it was yeah, I mean, that was a another little wow moment for us. Mm. You will realize that there is um, the wall isn't 
the only one of its kind. Well, mm. or it has a relative. Yeah, the uh, the five fortresses with the uh, ET raised against this in, in this basically um, frozen waste mm. against demons yeah, like, of some shit. sort. So it kinda sounds like the yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, ET, yeah, ET has this yeah, it does have a couple stories like that, right? Yeah. yeah. So it it seems like there might be there and, might... and all these vaguely similar names for a a hero who um saved people at the during the long night. So the, the, there does seem to be a a shared cultural memory there. And then yeah, and page eleven again it's talking about long night and how or the Septons used to think that the, the seasons were more regular in the past just from the planet, and then something's happened to the world there. It's made it different. Yeah. But uh, it, I think it definitely goes to... I mean, to, I, mean I don't know what you, what you guys think or if you can talk about like where you think the others came from, but it, it seems to suggest that... The, I mean, the, there's something about the others related to this weather. Like, they, because of the... Oh, well, that's chicken and the egg. Do they cause the weather, or is it the weather cause them to evolve? That's a good question. Our yeah. uh, maesters, the, the history yeah. going to tell us... We have our own speculations on the origin of the others, but I don't think it really came out of the work on the book. I think we're going to um, eventually learn some really interesting details about uh, their origin. That mm. not, not in this book. No, but okay. um, I mean, this is the one. Of, like, that's one of the ones I believe we have the example of our maester kind of saying stuff, which is like quite clearly wrong. Mm. Um, let me see where I have this. A long night. Oh yeah, the Archmaces Fomas's lies of the ancients speculated the others were just a triumph of first men who basically warred against the others. And obviously that's that's color stuff, like just showing our maester doesn't know everything, or the maesters don't know everything, and, and they 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 speculate as much as they can. Um, and as one of the, the, the people have asked, obviously, what are our contributions? Like uh, what when they ask about like, canon and such, like names like that, like. Folk- Fumas' lies of the ancients and so on. That, that stuff that I love making up sort of yeah. this, re- you know, texts that our maester was referencing and and the names of uh, the maesters. Uh, that, that's one thing that we did do. And George George used them. He would actually sometimes go back and, like, we use one, but I already created and, and use it again for another reference in, in one of so his things. So it's possible that some of them are going to show up in books as mentioned, you know, as actual, mentioned texts? Actual, sure. actual texts of the, in the virtual Westerosi Library. Yeah. I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna look at ET again to see where that. Uh, You're talking about the uh, Hercule the hero uh, yeah. depiction, and there, I mean, the ET is another place where you have this other species of seemingly of people existing. Um, oh really? Is that? Uh, let's see. 301 is the, the the depiction you're probably thinking of here, but Hercule with his fiery sword. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, they even have the uh, image there. Yeah. Yep, Hercule the hero, also known as Azor Ahai, Yintar, Nefarian, Eldritch, Shadow Chaser, um, and um, yeah, or oh, sorry, not ET, it's Ling, Ling specifically. I'm thinking of here. It seems that that pretty much led to the breakup of that empire too. I guess they never put it back together. At least that particular empire. Let's see. Um, yeah, the the, the great empire of Adon. Obviously, there's the whole thing about like who, which is the first society, like which is the first real civilization. You know, the Giscari claim, the Yitish claim to be the most ancient civilization. Um, uh, of still, you know, maybe it was the Fisher Queens on the Silver Sea who were. So that's we we loved having like George really enjoyed doing that stuff of of coming up with these sort of things. Mm. 
I just want to confirm like that that the ice fortress is in here, just in case I, I, I the missed five it. The five forts. It was. Uh, um, yes, it's. Oh, here we actually, go. Yeah, on three hundred three. Yeah, the five forts. There we go. Yeah. Like the Valyrians are supposed to have maybe. It's claimed that the Valyrians maybe were involved in the construction, but that seems doesn't seem likely because the force predate the freehold's rise and. Hmm. But and that's the other thing. I mean, we have the bit about the citadel. And Old Town also has a, a this fortification, which is of fused black stone and but the, the high tower, the base. Oh of yeah, the they do. Yeah, base, they... the, the base of the tower, not the base of the high tower. Sorry, that's getting getting a little late. <laughs> um, but the base of the high tower has the same thing, and George has that, and he throws out, you know, our maester discusses it, and and you know, like could could there be some Valyrian connection? Did the Valyrians raise it? But the style of it doesn't fit like with Valyria as we know it. There's these other people who are discussed in passing. There may be a com- similarity to to a shy with a strange oily black stone. It's it's hard to say. George George probably has some notion. Yeah, I, and isn't the sea stone chair also described the sea stone, uh, the sea as, as an oily black, strange oily black stone? Yes. Yeah. There's some um there's some deep ancient history that George really has. Yeah, I, I I think we're almost starts feeling very uh, you know Robert E. Howard and the uh, yeah you're starting to. Dig up the ancient ones there, I think. Yeah, kind of. It is definitely a little bit Lovecraftian. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, that's all that I have tabbed, I believe. Well, I guess I guess this has probably been talked about the the Stark the Stark tree already with uh, the uh, bit, black yeah, was... in there, right? I mean, we, I mean, we yeah. talked about like the, the whole like, yeah, you know, Ned's mom thing. Because I mean, we, we were, in the past, I was just like, well, if somebody. If it had been one of the houses, they would have mentioned it. If it was like Bolton yeah. or whatever, they would have said, "Oh, by the way." Well, no, it was a Stark. Yeah, <laughs> his George, mom was like, a Stark. Years like, ago, yeah, years ago, George was asked, and he cheekily answered, "Well, no, he, he says a Stark, right? Lady Stark, Lady Stark. Stark. Yeah, yeah. Lady how Stark how right? No one really knew how right he, how how precise he was being. Yeah. Because yeah, she was indeed a Stark. And the fact that there's actually quite a few um, marriages to relatives." Yeah, I believe they have an uncle to marrying his niece, for yeah. example. There was a little bit of um, slightly dodgy relationships going on. <laughs> hmm. But it shows, like, I mean, like, yeah, a, lot, a lot of the people that didn't have issue, I guess, they just died or weren't married. Like, it's. It, 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 is, it isn't, like, 100% complete. There, there mm. would have been branches where things yeah. were left. Basically, we concentrate, or George, rather, when he fleshed out the details, concentrated on the main branch. Sticking as much as possible to the starch. Be, because otherwise, you know, if you start covering all the daughters and their issues, uh, family trees start branching out too much. Yeah. Very, very yeah. much. I mean, we've seen some of that when we create family trees for our own game. As soon as you add a connection to someone else, well, then you need their parents, and then you need their siblings, and then it just runs away. So we had to rein it in a little bit and some of those last names we had to and we and Anne had to uh, pull out of George <laughs> yeah <laughs> the very last because um, he figured well we'll make the family tree then oh shit I, mean, I mentioned four daughters I have to name all of them and then they have to get married and <laughs> yeah so George some of these so some of the in particular like daughters even if they're not shown of husbands, they probably in many cases they did get husbands and have children, and so there are more stark descendants around than this tree might necessarily suggest, just because we didn't have the room to fit in everything, and George didn't have the time or the will to kind of create every single name and and, and mm. descendant. Well, there's, there, here we go. There's Melantha Blackwood here on the right side of that uh, thing, like that she may have been related to uh, 
Blood Raven's mom, I guess. I mean, she was related, but I guess probably close, maybe. We don't know, right? Melantha was related to Wulamstark, which would put her... I'm trying to stick this... Yeah, I mean, related would be fair enough, but I, I think we're, we're looking uh, a few generations past the time of the dance, so it's it's a fairly um, late... What you, what you can piece together, I think, on the Blackwoods is that obviously you have... Um, um, what's his name? Ian Benjacott. What what does he end up being called? Bloody Ben. Blood, uh, yeah, Bloody Ben and his cousin's niece. niece. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, uh, aunt. Aunt. Say, his aunt, uh, Black Alley. Um, they are obviously fairly closely related to uh, Blood Raven's mm. mother. Yeah, they are the same. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, Blood Raven's mother was Bloody Ben's. Doctor, yes, I'm not sure if that's necessarily strictly clear, but time-wise, people sh- would probably be able to figure so. that one really out is. anyway because yes, it's in that generation. So, um, and yes, and then Black Ali ends up marrying Cregan, who all the Nort aficionados are probably going to yeah be interested in the old man of the North. I mean, get, let me get that right. in there. Yeah, mm. he's a bit of a hard ass. Yeah, well, bit of a bit of a tough guy. Yeah. He was a very different sort of Stark from, like, Ned Stark. Yeah. <laughs> he was more of the uh, Stannis variety. Stannis <laughs> St- slash Randall Tarly school of thought of yeah. things. Sorry, you're wrong. Off your off with your head, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Mercy? Eh. Pretty short. Although, I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's... I think the book says it, but, you know, Cregan wanted to kill Corvus Valorian as well, and that, that was sorted out by the agency of the Targaryen princesses, but also by Black Alley sort of saying, well, look, if you spare him, I'll marry you, and he says, okay, and so the, like, there's a little self-interest there, right? <laughs> it's not all just justice, 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 it's like, oh, well, hmm, this, 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 this good-looking, interesting bride, yeah, all right, you know, I, I can be bribed. So yeah. he's, not, he's not absolutely spotless. Yeah, I mean, Corlys Velaryon isn't another one of those. Yeah, Corlys Velaryon, George is going to see Snake. George comes up with all these just famous individuals. I mean, we, we told people years back, like, um, about Damon Targaryen, we hinted about him when we sort of, George wrote the history of him and, and sort of, uh, you know, the conquest of, of the Stepstones and, and all these crazy things. Yeah, I mean, if he goes and the, declares himself king of the Stepstones. And, and, or, or, you know, his his final battle against Aemon Targaryen above the, you know, God's eye yeah. leaping from his dragon to stab. I mean, that's like badass. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but then you had also Corlys, who was someone who I think people didn't necessarily expect, this sort of guy who made... The Valorians, the most, the wealthiest, most powerful house in the yeah. Seven Kingdoms for a while, just from from his journeys and trade he was bringing in. Um, George definitely. I mean, uh, back in August, I guess we were at the, in London for the Worldcon, and uh, we were at an event with George in Paris. And Paris talking to us and telling us, you know, George was, you know, he was tossing and turning at night when he was working on his stuff. He was tossing and turning. As soon as his arm was up, he would be up like a shot and off to his office to write. Because he 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 was like a man possessed. He had so many ideas, so much was sort of just developing. But he, he in his mind, but he just had to get it all down, and he couldn't stop. And so, I mean, for those who were concerned that when he was writing this, he was taking masses of time. The amount of time, I mean, we were getting files every couple of days for a while. 
And then George said, okay, I'm, I'm stopping now. I've got some stuff to, I, but, you know, I, I've gotten some ideas for Woods of Winter. I'm going to go back to that for now. And, and then, and then you know, when, when I guess when he got coal on that stuff and he didn't quite have any, he'd go back to it. And again, it'd be like this boom, 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 file after file in this quick order. He was, he didn't spend that much time on it, but he was writing this at an, a mad I pace. Mean, I mean, I don't know if we can estimate how many words he wrote a day when he was writing, I couldn't. I but couldn't it was dare. a scary amount. It was scary. I, I just didn't. Oh, ten thousand words from George, and then, okay, and like a couple of days later, another ten thousand. It's like wow. I mean, and obviously, history like this, fake history, is not as it, it's more. It's easier to create mm. than a, a a proper narrative text, a, a real like a, something for a novel. Uh, I mean, you don't have to obviously think as much about, you know, the voice of the voice of, and, uh, of different yeah. characters. You don't have to The dialogue doesn't have to yeah. be measured out. So so it's easier stuff, but at the same time, I mean, he's still he's just knocking out this really quickly and I, yeah. this is really impressive to see how and and how, I think it inspired him to get inspiration for the writing on Probably. Since he was going back and forth, I think it was uh, probably. I mean, uh, it seemed to be a somewhat liberating process to. Well, but he's always worked at ways to think. Going don't. back and forth, that's true. Yeah. And people think, oh, you know, he only started writing all these other things when he was after he got famous. And no, I mean, he was working on you know the first Duncan Egg story concurrently with the Clash of Kings and so on. I mean, he was always he always he's a writer who likes having several projects. So when he goes cool on one. He can do something else. So um, I guess this was that sort of thing where when he wasn't quite feeling Winds of Winter, he was off to doing yeah. this stuff to, to do what he felt he needed to do. And then when he was and vice versa. And, and I think um, it's probably good for writers, at least and at least for the kind of writer that George is. Not just staring at a single project all the time, basically yeah. making no progress can be very crushing. But knowing, well, I'm not doing anything on this one, but I'm managing this one. That that kind of helps keep momentum going. Um I, in some small way, I think actually this is probably a a good thing for George's future production of other stuff because it it felt from what he was saying to us and 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 how it was going, it seemed like it was uh, liberating yeah. in a really good way. It, yeah. it was it was making some things easier to do when he got back to the woods of winter. I won't be surprised if we start seeing little references to the histories, of course, that he wrote in the woods of winter. Yeah, and also there was one. Gosh, there, there, there's some particular thing. Um, well, right, right, right. I kind of felt like there was a little bit of a parallel no, I... between um, how um, our uh, Egan, fake or otherwise, is carrying himself and presenting himself, in particular in his uh, uh, talk with um, the Golden Company when he reveals himself. I felt that there was echoes of that in Daeron's uh, The Young Dragons when he puts himself forward as, you know, I'm the dragon and, you know, here, you, you have me and I, I can arrange this conquest. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is not imagining some parallels between those two, for example. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that... Uh... 
people think that like, oh, if he wasn't doing this, he'd be writing the book. But I mean, he just would he wouldn't be writing the book if he's if he needs a break. He just can't sit on the table and write the book for ten hours a day. It doesn't work that way, right? Like, it just... I mean, he says something. The, the great days are the days when he gets up in the morning, starts writing, and then when he looks up, it's it's evening, and he has worked for eight nine hours straight, and it's just gone really well. But then there are days where he doesn't get anything done because it is he's just not feeling it. And you yeah. know, there are there are people who seem to think, well, you just sit there and you keep staring at it until something happens. But I mean, this is not a term paper. Not term paper. Yeah, <laughs> I like. George has been at this for 40 years uh, as a professional writer. Uh, he's won awards. He's uh, signed contracts. He's completed books. He, he kind of knows his process. And his, his process is one where, well, working, he, he knows that when he's stuck, he's stuck. And he better do something else with his time. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just how it is. Well, I think it? also writing something in Westeros that wasn't necessarily you know bogged down into the particulars of trying to weave all these narratives together. Mm-hmm was probably nice for him as well to have Westeros in sort of play in Westeros. Just yes. playing in Westeros. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I mean, he because loves, he's always done, yeah. I mean, her first contacts with him was, you know, him sending us these heraldry notes and things because he liked to sit there. I think he said when he was watching football and such, yeah, he'd be making downs up, and so on. He'd be yeah. making up new heraldry. So because he comes out of the, you know, role-playing and you know the whole wild cards thing coming out of their role playing games and creating setting material, character material, and then turning it into novels when they realize they spent so much time on it that they should probably make some money off it. Uh, I think that being allowed to play in Westeros again was probably important. Yeah, I, I would feel that way myself yeah. if I had. Yeah. yeah. Because he, he loves the setting as well. He loves his characters, and he, but he really loves the the process of building the world as well and, and playing in it. I don't think I actually asked, but like in the in the princess and the queen, which side did you uh, would you choose or favor, black or green? Well, the I I would probably go by the one who had the legal right. That would be the blacks. Yeah. Rhaenyra uh, should have been yes. should have been a contest. Yeah. I mean, I uh, out of the you know, I would probably consider that part as well. Men out of the two um, women, neither of them strikes me as a particularly charming person. No, well, but Rhaenyra seems to be a little more easy to stomach, perhaps than. Yeah, her stepmother. Damon Tyrion may not have been so easy to stomach on air, but on your hand, still, yeah, she, 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 she had the right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Lords of the Realm had sworn to her before that, and and. And the Valorians seemed like a nice bunch. And the Valorians seemed like a pretty decent bunch indeed. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that's who I would have sided with. But it, it's not like I thought Rhaenyra was a great person. She had definitely yeah. had her falls. Yeah. Um, no. No. I mean. Uh... And Damon. I mean, Damon's a badass, but I mean, it's sort of like it's like. Uh, he, he, as I said to people way back, I mean, he's he's sort of like the Red Viper of the Targaryens, but dialed up to 11. Yeah. Like, and, and he actually like got to run things. That was the problem. Well, it, 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 it reminds me of what Oberyn said, you know, how a Septon said how he was proof that the, the gods are kind and because... Uh, he was the younger son. He was the younger son, so... Yeah. And here they, they kind of, they got it wrong and... Um, got it right. He was a younger brother, but but he got way too close to power. Yeah, he got, yeah true, yeah. I mean, well, people do find it harder to choose between uh, like black or green than compared to like black or red. It seems black or red, they, they go one way or the other. Yeah. What are you guys on that one? Oh well, I I'm not a black fire 
aficionado I don't know I... no I, I well I kind of like Damon Blackfire sounds like a nice enough guy well I mean if... <laughs> it's like a nice guy Wait, you're talking I, I mean he, he's, or he sounds <laughs> probably heroic and so on but but he was wrong but he was yeah. wrong he was wrong he was wrong to yeah. to bring the realm into civil war for his ambition and his yeah uh, and so on so I I and you know I'm quite partial to to David the Good. I think yeah. he's he sounds like uh, an extremely capable king. And, yeah. and yeah. the big beef with him was oh he wasn't a, a great warrior. He had a pot belly and he liked books. <laughs> he liked Dornish. He, li- he likes Dornish right? stuff too much. But I mean that that's good for me. I like that. Yeah, he liked Dornish people. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, you can see the appeal of Damon Blackfire. Why people sure, followed sure. him and it, sure. But, but no. But on the other hand. Bitter Seal sounds like a real sour post. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and now that we kind of know that Blood Raven seems to have been a really okay guy, <laughs> yeah, I kind of have to go more or less okay. I mean, I don't know how okay I would put him, but I mean, he, he's he's not the villain that he's. He no, was I mean, he, he, he yeah. was. It looks like he was very much out for the good of the realm. Yeah. Hmm. Now he obviously did some perhaps less than moral things for the good of the realm. Yeah, but it's understandable. Some of them that made it in here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, doesn't he murder one of the Blackfires, I think? Or like, yeah, that's yep. the reason he gets executed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. Safe passage. <laughs> yeah. Oops. You'll be safe. And then, yeah, no, no, that, that, George really revealed quite a lot about what happens in Aegon's history and, and stuff that's going to be happening later on for him and for Doug. Yeah. Um, which was, which oh, was quite a surprise. Yeah, there was a, there was a really interesting phone call with George that we had where we needed to, we had a lot of notes to clear up and we were, you know, that must have been like last autumn or early spring, perhaps. Yeah, last autumn, I think. Nailing down some of the, you know, last, key bits basically well it turned out to not be one of the last bits but it was some key notes that we needed to clear up and so we finally managed to um, trap George into a conference call for that yeah, he generally prefers emails or conference calls he, yeah he, he said he doesn't do often but uh, he did for this one and he was leafing through notes as yeah. he was talking because when he gets into the later periods basically Duncan Egg he has a lot of notes yeah for obviously story ideas yeah. and things he wants to and, do. And they would be, mm, well, I can share that. And, oh, <clears throat> that's interesting. I don't think I'll share that. <laughs> yeah, there's one bit where he said, oh, wow, this, that, man, these guys are really nasty. <laughs> um, but he wouldn't elaborate on what he was talking <laughs> so about. So he's written down things perhaps years ago and basically almost forgotten about it. And now he was revisiting and letting us have little tidbits for the book. And there was some that... We wrote down notes and then worked in a lot of things and then marked them for him to check whether he was going to leave them in. And he actually put some stuff back in that you had cut but that they, we thought was too much. Yeah, but he said don't. He wasn't so sure about us using it, and so I said, "Yeah, we'll drop it then." And then he decided, "Nah, we'll share it anyway." So that's kind of. But I mean, that that this highlights a very different thing about George. What he said is that for George, it's not really the destination uh, when he writes. It's not like. It's a race to the end. For him, it's a journey. It's it's not like the what. Like, you know, let's look at the big Rhaegar and Lyanna equals John theory, right? It, it's not like, you know, like, I believe it's 100% it's correct, the theory, and many other people do as well. It does not lessen my enjoyment of the book. I want, I don't, it doesn't matter to me the detail. This is why 
is that the case? What what led that? What why did it come out the way that it did? And I think George feels the same way about the Duncan Egg stories. He doesn't mind sharing these bare points of facts. It's it's the whys, it's the the hows that that are be that make an actual story. I think that Aegon is probably a good topic we can look at for our final uh, discussion today. Um, sure. And looking at Aegon. Uh, one thing I found of interest is, uh, I mean, he did a lot. He did a lot of good. good Aegon the Fifth did a lot of good stuff, but uh, he, he realized, like, he was like, if only I had dragons, could I properly do everything I wanted to remake the realm? Yeah, we we thought it was really interesting the way he ended up portraying, obviously, that he'd, you know, learned all these things as Egg and tried to be very fair and reasonable, and then it turned out that well. Rest of the nobles aren't too keen on you being fair and reasonable with the common <laughs> folk, and uh, and he gets put into because I guess it's, it's something that you you can certainly when you see him as egg, what leads him to this desperate chase for, for dragons? dragons? Why would he get this obsession? And uh, and you get a few hints towards the fact there that it's the situation in the realm and. Uh, well, he falls. I mean, like without dragons, he has to fall back on marriages. But then his sons go mess up all his marriage plans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, one of the where we were quite surprised about since he basically allowed them all to marry for love, and then it he turns. Yeah, well, not allowed. It allowed. I mean, he didn't want them to. No, but, but he, 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 he gave in on those points yeah. and then turns out that one of those is actually a, a sibling marriage, which we had expected that. that I think we'd commented and wondered about how is it that he's got one of those marriages? It doesn't seem very egg-like, and it turns out that well, they they actually wanted it. <laughs> yeah, and then the um, let's see here. Pissed off the Baratheons quite. Yeah, quite royally. And then I guess you can see it gets to the end here. It's a good place to talk about is so they were talking about Summerhall and uh, the Maester here is he's I guess he's taken from something that did have ink on it. He took an excerpt from it, right? Yeah. So yeah, so we, we we don't. George talked about it having ink, and we actually talked at one point of doing like a facsimile of the page where where there would actual someone would do the calligraphy, the actual text, and then we'd have ink over it. But we we went for a simpler, more straightforward, of just writing it in in that sort of broken up way. So our maester shares the what he could make out of of Gildane's history. Um, we have a whole backstory for Gildane as well, sort of where he fits into to the narrative. Um, where where we have it basically he writes up to the events of Summerhall. So what happened? Did he was he someone who was there and was injured and died, or was he someone who 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 passed away for some other reason because of something that he learned? Um, and the idea is that he he himself had an association with uh, Egg King Egg in the fifth, and this is why he was able to write this sort of tell all history where he was able to kind of very incisively look at the Targaryens and not particularly spend time feeling like he had to fawn over Aegon's ancestors. This this is a um, this is a, a reformer's text. This is a a text, an attempt to sort of present the history as it was, warts and all, uh, mm. supported by someone who was himself a reformer and didn't feel like the aristocracy and the royalty should necessarily have so many privileges as it had. Um, so that, that's our backstory for for Gildane. Um, George may tweak it when he if he ever does Fire and Blood. Or if, if, again, for those who don't, I mean, since he wrote like two hundred thousand words or whatever it is, 
but we we couldn't really use them. I mean, George has all this material, and, and he's thinking he has said like maybe after that song, and fire, he'll go and put it all together into a book and finish the and, kings and, that he hasn't. Yeah, finish the kings and basically publish a history of the Targaryen kings by Archmaester Gildane. So that's something that people can maybe hope for in the future after the the main series is done. I'm just looking at uh, one page 110. The artwork there too was really nice of uh, the summer hall and showing Rhaegar's birth. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a nice, nice little touch. I think, is that Simonetti who did that one? Let me see. But it, I mean, we, we, people had already discussed about Rhaegar's birth and the connection to like the kind of sacrifice there, but that image kind of kind of highlights the potential connection between his birth yeah. and what happened there. Yep. Yeah, yeah no, it's... Um, Pretty sure it's... One simple. of those things that I'm probably most eager to yeah. learn all the details about. Someday, someday yeah. when he finishes yeah. Duncan. Well, it seems that I'm sending you a link here that our our interpretation of what happened of Summerhall didn't make it into the uh, the book. What was your interpretation? The, the link here. It's it inspired oh. by by Thanksgiving uh, deep fire uh, disasters. That like apparently apparently like with, with, there's a deep frying um, thing that you do in Thanksgiving in the states in particular, but people do it indoors and it causes lots of fires. Oh, the right. I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cooking 101, yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, I mean, actually, tonight is actually Thanksgiving here in Canada. I, I put the turkey oh, in. Oh well, dinner soon. But no, I don't deep fry it. I just put it in the oven. So <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, I guess that's that's good. I think that's good for this episode. Yeah. We will uh, thank you, Elia and Linda, for joining us. Oh, very happy to, to uh, happy be on to again, it. and uh, hope yeah. we'll look forward to our next our next visit. Yeah. So we're as we said, we're planning. Hopefully, once everyone's read through the book and has questions, we'll have you both for December. Come back, and we'll absolutely. We're we're open to discussing just about everything about uh, the book and. I'm sure there's going to be some people asking, like, hey, is this detail from George? And, like, again, I have to emphasize, like, pretty much everything is from George or has been. <clears throat> George has explicitly looked at it and said, okay, it's now from George. So um, we, it, 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 I know there's people who have concerns and questions. Like, they want this idea that the work is purely a single person's work. But um, as I said, if you just look at the fact that the dragons weren't George's original idea, like you, you it, 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 and George works with people. I mean, he has a writers group for his first readers. He has various writers. He talks about these things. I mean, Daniel Abraham and 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 this you know Walter John Williams and Linda Snodgrass and all these people who almost certainly have given him suggestions that he has incorporated into the text. And you can't just go and cherry pick and say, well, no, only those ideas that sprung absolutely hundred percent from George's head. Uh, can can be counted as as real? No, it's if if he if he okay's it in a book that he's offered that has his name on it as an offer. Uh, I think you have to see it as it doesn't really matter if Lynn and I came up with a little detail. I, I'll 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 give an example actually of, of one of those. Um, yeah, that could be a good to point. give people a sense of like I, mean, I already mentioned like names of maesters and things yeah. and um, some of the sidebars where we have little sort of. Uh, let me see. It's in the House Tully section. Oh, the, how they dealt with the Brackens well, and the Blackwoods? Wasn't well, it? no, yeah. specifically, I, I always had the issue myself, was like, why is it the Tullys out of kind of nowhere are, are the people who end up leading the revolt against uh, Black Heron, and, and why are they given the, the rule? Um, uh, and, and what I have is basically somewhere I kind of threw about... Um, the bit a decade before Aegon's conquest, the Blackwoods and Brackens had entered into a new private war, an ancient feud, and 
previously, you know, the Ironborn Overlord had ignored it, but um, but it disrupted the construction of Hall, and that really pissed off Heron the Black, and he mm. really dealt harshly with them and, and reduced their power. So at that time, they weren't strong enough to be considered leading houses, and that that's how I... So that was something I, I put in there. I said, you know, this is speculative. This is trying to answer this question of the why of Atelis, and George... When he went over that section, he, he kept it in, he liked it, he, or it fit with what he planned anyways. Um, so that's the sort of thing that we, we created it. And George used it when he liked it, and he didn't use it when he did it. So, um, I mean, you have to imagine that his editor, on if he gets stuck on some story point or something, that there's been cases where Anne has said, well, why don't you do this? Yeah. Or why don't you do X instead of Y? And, and so, well, you know, it happens. It's not a hundred uh, percent um, one-man show to be a, a writer. There's going to be input from other sources. Cool. Well, yeah. Check us out on podcastandicefire.com. We're on uh, iTunes, Twitter, and DeviantArt. And thank you again for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you two here. Definitely. Yeah, thank we'll you. Have for the rest of the us. rest of the yeah. cast out here next time, so we will see. Yeah. See yeah. All right. Until cool. next time. Yeah. See you next time. As I said, I'm going to edit this, and then uh, 28th, is it is, is midnight the 29th okay, or does it have to be? Yeah, absolutely. I would okay. think it'd be fine, yeah. 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 That's going to take a while to edit anyways, so. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a long one. Yeah. All right. All right, then. Uh, hold on oh. to your record for now in case mine has problems, but uh, yeah. yeah, great. See ya. See you around, bye.